adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. It's Wednesday night, so someone should know what that means. It's apparently a new episode of the Mark Order Podcast. And I'm Ryan, and joining me tonight is Joe. How you doing, Joe? Just Joe, huh? I was being giving you just one name. Wow. I only give one name for myself. Yeah, at least it's your first name, not the... Your, uh... Yeah, I mean, that's stick to it, yep. And then, ready? This is my, uh, my favorite thing to do because Ann hates it. Hard end. Mm, hard end. I do it just because Ann hates it. He does the fade out, and I'm like, you know what? Screw you. It, uh, it's your favorite part of the end. It's a hard end. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So tonight for the Mark Order Podcast, it's a two-man team of myself and Joe. Um, Ant Money is actually at Dynamite in Newark. And Kate has coded for the fiftieth time. How many now? I think. Yeah. I, I don't know if she ever actually gets rid of it. She's going after Bruno's record of like the longest title. No, you know how they run. say like, you know how they say these variants and all come from people who who uh have like chronic infections and stuff. I think she's the source. Interesting. I think she's a source of all variants, so that that's fairly, fairly interesting. At the very um, least, she should be a case study. I, some people will never get it. Some people get it bad, and then there's Kate who gets it—not fun, but not like bad, bad—but mm. just continues to get it. Well, we appreciate her sacrifice. I don't, but that's a whole different story. Um. So, yeah, it's just the two of us tonight, which I'm going to say. I'm going to say it started off the show. I'm going to do it a couple of times during the show, so get used to it. If you like the combination of Joe and I, what you should do is tune in Saturday night at 7.50. That's 10 minutes before collision for the brand new Mark Order show, The Collider Cast, where we are going to live uh, do a live broadcast while watching Collision. Uh, live stream. I was blanking on stream, and I'm an idiot. Um, figured it would be a good time for everyone. We We'll have a rotating cast of people joining us every week, but this will be a show that Joe and I do pretty much every Saturday, except for when something keeps one of us away. Uh, but yeah, so if you're if you're bored on a Saturday, come watch us watch Collision. Uh, obviously, we're not going to do play-by-play, but you don't need us today. You're watching, but we're going to cover the matches, what we like, what we don't like, and we'll also cover the news and, and whatnot of AEW of the week up until that point, yeah. kind of. So much happens between Wednesday and, and Saturday, including Rampage, and then we're all, we're always trying to quickly go through it here when it feels like old news. So this allows us now to 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 do it in a in a more timely fashion, but also something unique, so that not everyone is like, "What the hell's going on?" Yeah. So hopefully, it's more like kind of like the Manning cast on Monday Night Football, but with you know more Super Bowl champions on the Collider cast. And smaller foreheads. Well, I don't know. No, I mean, trust me, 
Joe. They're okay. like, because well, their heads are bigger. So it, it's just like, it may be the same ratio, but the, but the actual mount. I don't um, know. I have a big head, but. Well, I'm just saying they, they have some pretty big heads. It'll be fun. Oh. It'll, be fun. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a good time. I like doing the live streams. I believe it or not, guys, that's where I'm a little more comfortable sometimes because it's a little more flowy. Um, you'll find out tonight my hosting skills are, are rusty because it only happens when Ant can't make it. <laughs> Actually, when Ant and Kate can't make it because Kate usually picks up the, the hosting duties when um when she's around. So but on the bright side, that means it's usually a shorter show or a faster show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you like our long ones, I'm sorry, guys. With Ryan, it's always quick. Hard end and quick. Hard and quick. I don't know if you're going to be satisfied at the end. Well, Happy New Year, Ryan. I uh, Hopefully everything <laughs> went well. Happy New Year. Yeah, I didn't see you this week. Uh, I was taking care of some personal matters. I'm not going to address them here, obviously. But it was good. How, how was your uh, Christmas and New Year's? Um, it was fine. I bought myself a car battery. Um, that's about it. It's such a good Santa to yourself. New Year's was pretty quiet. I'm too old for that. Yeah, I haven't gone out for New Year's in like... It feels like a decade. I mean, it's not a decade, but it feels like it. Like I, and I didn't like New Year's when I was young and it was a thing you were supposed to do. Like I, I was... Uh, not a partier. Never have been. Shocking for everyone watching that. I'm not a partier. As we make jokes that I don't leave the house. But that's been going on since I was in like high school. Like I was never that guy. But New Year's is worse because it's an event. I, I mean, I sat home on New Year's Eve with a pour of bourbon watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's how I spent my, New Year's, my New Year's Eve. Well, I was watching something too. I don't remember what it was, but it was it was something. Um, saying hello to people in the chat, Big G. Uh, so good evening, Scott. Kate does have COVID, no matter when anyone tells you about it. Kate continues to have it. And Kyle Sparks calling us a two-man power trip. You know, Kyle, I like that nickname. I might have to stick with that. You know, um, Ant and I are the two live crew. Uh, Kate, Ant and I are the holy triumphant. Triumvirate. I don't know what you you and the combinations are. With I don't either. Good question. But we're the two-man power trip, so we, we got it. I had a name for our show, but it really wasn't really a politically correct, like, good name for us. That ends up being a lot of my problems. I think of clever stuff. I'm like, I can't say that. And I'll get, I'll get in trouble. I almost introduced us, though, as uh, Joe Schlong and Asian Ryan. I'm like, people might not understand that joke. No, the whitest guy in the room introducing himself as Asian Ryan might get us in trouble. I have a white name. Fair. I you know. It could be either one of us. Yeah, that, that's true. Well, until you know, you see that I'm basically see through, and they're like, "Well, that can't be him." And then Ryan, your background tonight looks like the South Park Devil. As I thought it was appropriate. Um, I still have theories about the devil. I don't care what anyone tells me. Although he he um, goes by Satan and not the devil. Devil Satan, it's the same thing. I'm all for it. I don't. Uh, I'm moving in front of him now. Maybe we'll see Jesus get knocked out. If I move my head, we see Jesus getting knocked out. Oh, he's on your, he's on your shoulder, like a no, like the oh the angel. The devil. Devil. Yes. Um, Big G, who is who is Austin and who's Triple H? This is a tough one. Um, 
I have the goatee, so I think I'm going to go with... Well, Austin, they both have facial hair. Damn it. Um, I was going to say, I, I, um, I, I who do you want to be? I, I can't grow much. I don't. I can't grow a beard. So I can grow maybe oh, a... Oh, Adam. You can grow a Fu Manchu? I think. I, I can grow a mustache. It kind of goes into... Because that could that can make you triple H. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think I'm badass enough to be Austin. No, neither of us are. No, that's true. And are either of us really the, the game or the king of kings or the Oh, I definitely am the king of kings. Well, you're a cock, yes. I say. Um uh, you know what? I think I have the worst uh lower extremities. I think my knees more busted up, so well damn it, they're both the same thing again. Uh, you know, I'm taking Austin because he has the knee braces. And if I do anything, I need knee brace. So there you oh, go. Oh, hell yeah. Go for it. Oh, hell yeah. Of course, I don't drink. So it kind of screws that up. Uh, Doc wants to know are we watching Wrestle Kingdom in three hours? I am not. Ooh, probably not. I have to work in the morning. I want to. It's just I got work in the morning too. I might catch like the beginning of it um, as I fall asleep, but I'm it's sure it's okay, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, COVID Kate will. That's probably why she's probably asleep right now. She can wake up and watch. Which I don't blame her. You know, if you can get, if you don't have to, if I end up work tomorrow, I absolutely will be doing it. I don't know if you know, Ryan. I am going to the New Japan Strong Show in a couple weeks out in California. Sure. So I won't be on the Collier cast for that sh- for that Saturday. When is this? Uh, what the thirteenth of January? Um, okay. What did I just do? Got to get out of full screen. Um, okay. So wait, why are you going to, you're going to California? Yep. I'm, I'm, that's where, that's my pause here. And, and I'm sorry, people, but Joe doesn't live in California. But Joe leaves his house and his state, unlike Ryan. Leaves his state. Ryan goes to Pennsylvania regularly. You cross a bridge. Up, Joe. Um, oh, good. There's no Flyers game that night, so I can be here. That was another concern. Um, it. it uh, so wait, why are you, go- are you going to California just for strong or are you going out for something else and then want strong while you're there? It's my birthday weekend my, on that weekend. So I, I'm figuring I'd take a trip and I'm like, oh, I know people kind of in that Bay area, the Valley area of California. So I have people I can visit plus that show going on. So. I will miss one um, Collider cast for sure, which is when I go on the, the Jericho cruise with Kate. Uh, but I won't miss a, I, I won't miss a Dynamite. I won't miss one of these, and I'll be back for the next one of these. So I well, won't miss time, any of this show. By the time you're on the so, cruise, I mean, yeah. our Collider cast will be so popular, people will just be like, one, come on and join yeah, us. I have to, yeah, plus they might ask for me to, to cut in. They'll be like, where is Ryan? We need Ryan. Um, you know what, Scott George? Hold on. The Flyers are doing quite well this year. I don't know what you're talking about. They're in the playoffs. They're second in their division. They're they're having a year. Um, I don't know what team you cheer for, Scott. So if you're a Rangers fan, I can't talk trash. If you're a Devils fan, I can. So we'll sort that out. Uh, so Kyle Sparks saying the issue was not watching the beginning of the show with Rambo starting at 1.30 a.m. The issue is making it all the way through the, to the end, which will likely be around 6 a.m. That's the problem. I have to be up for work. Not soon after, not long after that. You know, 
Uh, but I, I, he's a Blues fan. Uh, are you even real? I mean, um, if, I'm, if I'm a hockey fan, I'm probably a Blues fan, but I'm not a diehard hockey fan. I don't even believe you people are real. I believe you guys all came out of the woodwork when suddenly you got good. But you're not good this year, I don't think. I don't know. I don't pay attention to hockey until playoffs. I thought, what's his name? Uh, we're going to skip over this. I, I could go down a rabbit hole that would defeat the whole this is the quick show. Um, Should we talk? Oh, yeah, that's. We're going to. Well, no, we're probably going to pass over Rampage and Collision. Well, Collision didn't happen. Collision was the best of. Big G, get the fudge out of here because you're a Pens fan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was a Pens fan growing up back in the Yager and Lemieux days. The P- I hate the like. How do I say this? The Pens have always had too many good players, and it drives me nuts. They're you know they're they've had they had um, Yager, they had Lemieux, um, then they had Malkin and, and Crosby, obviously. And it's like you, you shouldn't be allowed to do that all the time. Like there, there, there should be. You know, I still think they rigged the draft for the Penguins that year that they got Crosby. Yeah, Lindros. Yeah, we had Lindros, <laughs> who's awesome, and I and I'm one of the best players I've ever watched play. But my point being is that the Penguins got Crosby in a draft that wasn't based on losing. It was it was the lockout year, and it was a random lottery. They just had the the top pick with Malkin, and suddenly get the top pick again with Crosby because the team was going to move if they didn't get good. No. Don't believe it. Don't support it. And that's just a bitter Philly, uh, Philly fan talking. I admit it. Um, all right, let's go to... We're going to skip over uh, Rampage because I don't have it up and who cares. Um, normally I care, but when you have a pay-per-view that happens the day after, it's kind of like... Collision was the best of, so we'll go right to the world's end. Um, I, I will say that we had the prediction show that you unfortunately weren't able to make. Uh, but I kept track of everyone's predictions. Most of us were of Kate and Ant and myself. We had a lot of the same predictions other than the one outlier was the um, I called the eight-man clusterfuck match of eight-man tag match that wasn't the Continental Classic one, the one with a uh, was it Sting and Darby and um, what Big Bill, Ricky oh, Starks? Was, uh, yeah, Big Bill, Ricky Starks, the Callis family versus Sting, Darby, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara. Yeah, that's the one match we differed on where I think it looks like Kate and Ant had the heels winning, and I picked the face team to win because I didn't think you would beat Sting. Yeah, so that was the one difference. So. I had my one predictions. You were right. Um, so we'll go over that now. I'm going to let people in a little behind the curtain on this one. When we do something like a pay-per-view from a while back, I pull up a like some like one of the reviews for it so I could see, remember who won, who lost, things like that, because I got a lot going on, so I'm not going to bring this. So I'm, I don't know if I trust this one. It's from a... Uh, someone on Bleacher Report called Doc Chris Mueller. 
Um, so if it's ter- if, if the results are all wrong because he's terrible, um, I apologize, but that's who I'm going to use for this. It's really just to get the matches and stuff. But, uh, you know, just yeah. if, if, if he gets all the matches wrong, I apologize. We just don't, we can't trust that man. You know, no, that, that's doctor. really my, that's exactly my point. I don't even think he's a real doctor. And my bleacher report went down many times. Why wasn't he fixing that? Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that's kind of like a lot of issues here. So just anyone wants to, to address yeah. it. We'll see if it's right. So we start off in the zero hour, zero hour of Willow Nightingale versus Chris Statlander. Uh, we have Chris, uh, we have Will Nightingale getting the win over Stat, which I don't know if it was an upset going in this match. I kind of, like I wasn't on the prediction show. I don't know if you guys even covered this on the prediction show. Um, it, was a, it was a late I'll honest, yeah. yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't listen to it because by the time it aired, I had somewhat like I, I was barely getting home to watch the, the pay-per-view when it started. Um, but I might have actually called Willow because they're clearly telling a story with Chris Statlander and uh, Stokely. And I th- I'm very curious. I think they're turning Statlander heel. heel. And I don't, I do, you can talk about the match you want. It was very solid. You have two great workers. I think they did, um, you know, a, like a, had a really solid opener. There was a couple botches. And I think, honestly, if we're going to talk about this entire pay-per-view, I think the overall theme will be uh, mistakes. There just seemed to be everything like there was there's there was a, a number of errors that just and nothing nothing crippling. I actually really enjoyed the pay-per-view, which maybe we'll start with that. Did you enjoy the pay-per-view, Joe? Before we even get to the match, did you enjoy the pay-per-view? Let's let's give our grades at the end after we go through it. Okay, that's fair. In totality, so we can see the whole picture. Um all right, so what what did you think of this match then? Um I so I had I when I heard about the match I thought Statlander would win, only because I thought you know, like no she can't keep eating pins she lost you know to Sky Blue and I thought we were doing something with Willow's character a little bit I thought maybe we would start doing something with her, um, but you know as what you mentioned with um, Statlander and Stokely I think it's going to be the you know Statlander keep losing Stokely will come in and be like you're not you have to be serious you have to. You know, have this edge to you that you don't have right now, and you know she's wearing darker, darker colored gear and things like that. So it's kind of a, I feel like it's foreshadowing that he'll turn, like you said. Um, the match itself was solid. I think toward the end it almost looked like, you know, Willow kind of got gassed a little bit, maybe with some of the. Uh, it looks like sometimes, you know, that one where she tried to lift stat and that almost got dropped on her head. Yeah, that was that was one that was like the Pacho was talking about. There was just a but, couple uh, moments. But just little things and like they correct they got they got the move off, so that was good and all is well. But yeah, it's what I respect from the two of them. I would say I think it's interesting that Willow, I mean no, not Willow, Statlander has now lost to two people that were her quote unquote friends within the company. You had Sky Blue, who's now obviously heel, but still was Statlander's friend. And you have Willow. So two people that she, in theory, might have gone lighter on, might not have been as aggressive or evil. So that's where Stoke can come in and say, hey, what are you doing? You were a champion, and now you're nothing. You're losing because you're, you can't you can't be brutal to your friend. They don't have a problem being brutal to you. Look, Willow almost killed you. Um, 
Yeah. I would use it. I would use that box. I'd say, well, I almost killed you. Like, what are you doing? But it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, we didn't, I'll, uh, spoiler, didn't get any, any update on this tonight, nor should we. Like, you can let some stories like this breathe a little bit. But I definitely think they're telling the story of Stokely turning Chris to the dark side, which is fine. Uh, maybe I don't necessarily think she needs a character refresh. Uh, I just, she needs a good story. So even if at the end of this, she stays face, like she, they've done this in AEW a number of times where you think the person's about to turn and then like they don't, I'm okay with that. Just make it a fun story. Mm-hmm. I could see, and I don't know who it would be. So mind you, I have no one in mind. I could see Stoke pretending to get, to get Statlander evil, like kind of working her up to that point. And then he brings in a second person, second woman to just beat her down. It's a, it's a, you know, like that whole, like you think you're turning her evil and then, in, but you're really just trying to ruin her life. So you take her friends from her and you take her, her joking style and you ruin her and then you beat her up with your, you're out. So I could see that. Cause that's kind of a wrestling trope. So I'm, I can't name someone else who's done it, but I know it's a wrestling trope. I just know it. Um, we move on to our 20 man battle Royal featuring a whole slew of people. Uh, I think some of the notable ones, uh, as, as said by doc, cause I won't lie and pretend I'm not taking this from there. Dan Housen, Brian Keith, uh, Matt Menard, Angela Parker, Lance Archer, Dalton Castle, um, uh, kill switch. Uh, he was very engaged in this, in this, uh, in this, and this matching a Trent, Trent Beretta, it, it was a, it was. There's a host of others, but those were the the, the very important ones. Um, they're important for reasons. Uh, Dalton Castle gets a loud pop everywhere he goes. He's continuing his downward spiral, which I'm quite enjoying. Uh, Brian Keith might be signed. No one is saying it. I'm not spoiling. Like, there's no, uh, you know. Uh, wrestling writer out there claiming it. It's just he's been showing up on everything recently. And they tend to do that right before a guy signs. So I'm wondering if, or if he's getting like an extended tryout to see if they really want him. Because uh, we'll see him again tonight. So Brian Keith, that's kind of neat. Uh, Matt Menard and Angela Parker just in their own little stories. So not really relevant to this match, but uh, they still don't know what they're doing with Lance Archer. So we'll just leave that there. The interesting three, uh, and, and I'm, I'm glad that Chris reminded me because I my notes I don't even know where they are at this point um because I did take notes for a night and I even did take some notes Saturday and then I lost them um Danhausen Trent and Killswitch they were your final three oh you had the butcher and the bleed I remember they were in there because there was there was moments Danhausen and Trent and them so there was some some cool stuff there but sorry but you had Danhausen Trent and uh Killswitch and you look like Danhausen and Trent were gonna go for that best friends hug, and then they should have double eliminated kill switch. And then Trent betrayed Danhausen, threw him over the rope, and then got eliminated by kill switch. It is an old-timey wrestling trope that will be addressed tonight in some fashion, but it's a very old-timey wrestling trope that I don't love because, in theory, you would betray your friend after you've eliminated the, the shared threat. Um, especially because kill switch is a bigger threat than Danhausen, so you think you would how dare you? Size. In a battle royal when it's all about going over the rope. If we're talking a straight up fight, no. No one's tougher than Dan Housen, but we're talking yeah, just going Mark, over the rope. Cursing outweighs is out measure size. Dan Housen would never curse his friend. True. Okay. So 
to me, you obviously should have, but that's beside the point. That is a wrestling bugaboo that I have. You're going to see it in the Royal Rumble, which is my favorite match of all time, and it continues to be this year. It'll be my favorite again. Um, every battle royal has it. Oh, it's every man for himself. Yeah, but eliminate the guy first, and then it can be every man for himself. Anyway, what they're trying to show is that Trent really needs to win. To me, outside of kill switch winning, which will come into play later in this very pay-per-view, the story they're trying to tell is that Trent really wants to win. You know, Chuck's out hurt. Um, so they're kind of having to tell a single story for Trent. And, I, it, and based on tonight as well, the story mm -hmm. seems to be Trent doesn't care what it takes. He wants gold. He wants to win. I like that. I think that's a very interesting story. I would like to see where they go with it. It reminds me of when he came back after injury and Wilder, you know, Yuda was in the best friends and he had that he was he had that prickly edge to him about Wilder. And you know, he was nice with his friend, but he was just a big like he was just a dick to Wilder. And he had the edge and almost kind of like that heel persona. Um Yes. That's why I like that part. I like that character of Trent, where because he, he's so good in the ring. So underrated. He's, he's one of the most underrated guys, I think, in AEW. Um, I think the best friends should have had a title at some point. I still think they should, even when Chucky comes back. I think they. I think Chuck is underrated too. I think the two of them together, two of the most underrated. They're very good, and uh, Trent has had some really good singles bouts. He's gone over to New Japan. He had some. New, I think was it strong? It might have been New Japan strong. And he went over for he went over for New Japan and had a match and ended well. Um, so, yeah, did, you're right though. It does have that feeling of when he came back and he was kind of a dick to you. Except there's no reason to be a dick to Danhausen. Um, sure. Kill switch winning to me became predictable. Uh, let me rephrase that. I did not predict what was going to happen. It became predictable that it would come into play that night. Hmm. And I don't know if you felt the same way when that match was over, but I'm like, the soonest minute he won, I'm like, this is going to come into play later. He did not see the way it was going to come into play, but I thought it would. Yeah, I mean, I knew he'd be involved later on, but not to that extent. Um, and Kill Switch winning, I, it made sense. A lot of people predicted him to win. Uh, I was kind of hoping that they bring Jack Perry back for this and have insert him into the story a little bit. But if it wasn't going to be him, then Kill Switch would have been probably the next safest bet. So I have a question for you because it's going to come. You know what? I'm going to hold my question. I'm going to hold, remind you that I have a question about Kill Switch in his segment on, in, uh, um, I, you know, I'll remember. Um, <laughs> it's a Jack Perry kill, kill Switch question. Gotcha. Uh, so that, you know, did you like the Battle Royal over? I wasn't very sold on the Battle Royal, I thought it was, it was kind of sloppy. It was, I mean, they didn't announce all the people until, I mean, the day of the show when they announced the competitors to the ring. So we didn't know who was in it. Watching it, it felt like, you know, for the most part, and no disrespect to the wrestlers themselves, but it felt like a rampage rumble of, you know, the all-star cast of people who would usually wrestle on rampage or have the mid-card people. One one hundred thousand percent. It was a rampage rumble. Um, but I'm glad they got them on the pay per view though. Like it found the, it found a way to get them on there for, for people to do to do things and get a paycheck. You know, get paid for the show. And there's one thing, Tony. Tony Khan. Listen, his pay per views can sometimes go 
too long, but he he gives you he wants to make sure that if you're spending that money, you're getting your money's worth. And not only that, but you're seeing as many of the wrestlers as you can possibly see. So I, I can't, it's actually a very, it's a, it's almost like every pay-per-view he treats it. Mind you people hold off before you judge me on this. He treats it like WrestleMania, not in like the quality or like the grand, the grandiose manner, but in like WrestleMania, not so much anymore, but they used to want to like even hell. Cause they split it over two nights. They try to get everyone on the car. Mm-hmm. And it feels like he tries to do that with every pay-per-view. Just get everyone on the goddamn card. Um, so I, I, it's not a, it's not a criticism. It, it, I, I get it. I listen. Sometimes I get very tired during these pay-per-views, but when it's a Saturday, I don't care as much. Um, we move on to our third zero, our third and final zero-hour match, and it was Hook versus Wheeler Yuta for the FTW Championship. Uh, it was under FTW rules, which is essentially no rules, as far as I'm. As far as I know. Uh, so you had a mix of some in-ring technical stuff because Wheeler Yuta is the technical guy. Actually, Hook is fairly decent at it. And then you had a mix of weapons. Uh, they definitely had Wheeler playing... I want to say it's more like the mixture of Mox and Danielson in this match. Obviously not to that level, but they had him playing like a mixture of their personalities. He was the more technical wrestler. He was the more violent. Like he was the more violent. He was more aggressive. He was more technical. But Hook still ended up winning with the Red Rum. Um, I liked the match. I thought it was very good. I think the problem they run into sometimes with Yuta is uh, he's not great on the mic. And they had him cut a promo beforehand, and it did not go over well. And I'm okay with people not being good on the mic. I really am. Just give them someone else to talk for them. Yeah, I. so I was on Mike Peterson's show where we did kind of a watch-along to the pay-per-view and I, I, I made mention about how you know, we're talking about Wheeler and I he ever said it felt like to me ever since Regal left like Wheeler kind of missing something because like you said he needs someone to help like talk, be his mouthpiece a little bit where Quayo and Danielson and and Mox all can go at these like single, you know, single superstars and they can cut their promos and they're veterans where Wheeler is still kind of getting used to national TV. Um, I think have not having Regal there to help uh, be kind of his manager uh, kind of had to hurt him a little bit in his progression. Yeah, because I feel like, again, when you have even Danielson or Mox out with Yuta alone, they so dominate not just the mic, but like the wrestling presence. Because you, like when 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 um, Regal was out with Wheeler, yeah, he would run the mic, but he didn't dominate the wrestling side of things. Like you know, you knew Yuta was the one who was going to be kicking ass. When it's Danielson or Mox or even Claudio, you feel like, well, they're the ones who are going to kick the. So it just, I know that seems maybe not describing it right, but they, they really overshadow him. He needs a manager style. Now, I don't know. I have a thought. I don't even know if he's still with AEW. I don't think the rest of the BCC would welcome him in, but I still think it's a great idea because I'm, I think my own ideas are genius. Um, Arn Anderson, technical wrestler, badass, could fight. I mean, you got, you know, four guys. So he's very familiar with that. He could come in and he could, he doesn't have to run the show. Like, let the BCC be the BCC. 
but he could kind of almost be Yuta's guy. Like, yeah. like you could have, and, I, and anyone, it doesn't have to be Arn. I just thought of someone in the company who could talk. Because I'm just thinking you could have Danielson or Mox go, hey, you know what? You, I'm talking kayfabe here. You could have them go and say, no, Will, we're not always around to, to, to train you the way we promised. So we're bringing someone into who's here and you bring him or someone else in and just let them do some of the talking so that I don't know if we'll ever, I mean, I know the only way you get good at it is by doing it, which he still would benefit from having the mouthpiece there to like play off of while he got comfortable because that's another problem when it's Claudio Mox and Danielson out there with him. He never gets the mic. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's the, the clear force. So, so just, it's just almost, to- Almost like he could have benefited uh, being in a Callis family. Yeah, yeah. Like if you would have substituted, like let's say you take a Sammy out of there, out of the Don Callis family, you, you had replaced Sammy with Willer Yuta instead. Yeah, that's so they. He needs someone like that, like Callis. Like obviously, I like Yuta in the BCC. I think he fits right. stylistically. I just think they need that Callis person. Really, just for him. The other three can do their own thing. They don't need anyone. Um, the Don Cows family has a bit more needs a not really the only person who needs anyone in the Cows family is Takeshi, just because the language barrier. But not not being said, you know, just thinking, just thinking outside the box. But the match was good. I mean, I liked the match. Did you like the match? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't see Wheeler Ewing, Wheeler Wheeler Ewing, Wheeler winning. Uh, but yeah, I. It was fine. I don't know if I paid attention to it closely that I should have. Same. I think, you know, like, I, like I said to everyone, I, I, I didn't even get a chance to, sorry, freaking, um, didn't get a chance to watch our prediction show because I got to my TV as the zero hour was starting. So during the zero hour, I was grabbing my drinks. I was, you know, I was trying to like settle in. Um, so I didn't probably focus on it as much as I should have. Uh, I do want to point out, Couple things in the pre pre show or the zero hour. Uh, Renee Paquette clarified that Kingston's titles will not merge; they will be three separate titles. Okay, I don't love that. No. Um, I loved like I think that's too many titles. I loved the idea when it was all. Now I guess the theory is that you don't just. I don't know. I think the theory is should they should all be defended. I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. I liked when they were merged. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of stupid. I, I like them merged. Uh, listen, did I love the idea that the AEW did ROH would have no heavyweight champion? No, but I don't know. Just now, now AEW has a lot of men's belts. Yeah. Um, unless you truly are, unless, unless the, the Continental Belt truly is going to float to ROH. And New Japan strong, meaning like regularly defended on those as well, because that would differentiate it from the international and the the TNT, because that would be the floating belt then. And if that's the case, fine. I don't yeah. think it will be, but yeah, there's another scenario where you could say that eat. I wouldn't do a hard line in the sand like WWE does, but you could, in theory, have always have two titles on a show. You know, TNT um, and World Heavy AEW has, you know, the, they're on Dynamite. So that means on Collision, you're going to see the Continental and the International. 
and then the next week you'll see Continental, Continental and International together on Dyn. Like it would at least allow. I don't know if I love that, but I, there's a theory there. I'm just trying to think because there's no reason they shouldn't be merged. But whatever. And we got a video package for Serena Deeb. She will be returning, which I think is great news because she's very, very good in the ring. Yeah, this women's division this year kind of slap. We're gonna get to that because there the stuff tonight. The rumors that are fairly confirmed. If not a hundred percent, they're yeah. Um, the and women's division is taking steps. If we get Jamie Hager back sometime this year, or Baker's out too. I mean, like, I don't. I I know. Like, J listen, Hater's been gone too long. And I really and I'm not. It sucks. I hope she's okay. Um, I think we like. I hate to say it. I think we almost forget about Baker because she because of her twitter personality you all because she's been in the news with her twitter stuff i think you almost forget that like she's actually not on the show mm -hmm. they're missing one of their top performers for the last four years five years five now um so mix that in with what we're going to talk about tonight and you have yourself not just an okay division you have yourself a freaking good division like i'd put their division up now with any of the other two like there's not like it's got the talent there um, so we move on. We'll talk about that later when we talk about the big news of the night. Uh, the first match of the night was the giant eight man tag of the BCC featuring Danielson and Claudio, uh, with Daniel Garcia and Mark Briscoe, which would, they were one side of the, the, um, continental. And then on the other side, you had the other side of the continental, you had Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. Um, interesting enough. You had Garcia, Danielson, Briscoe, Casanoli win. And I say that's interesting because I felt like individually you had guys who might have needed wins more individually on the other side. But I guess they didn't think much of it because it was the team and Garcia got the pin as far as I remember. And he was um, very over. I mean, the crowd loved Garcia. So... I, you know, it was, it was a typical, and I say this in the, this is a compliment. People are going to think I'm insulting it. And I mean, this is a complete compliment. It was a typical clusterfuck of a four, you know, an eight man tag, but I think that's a fun clusterfuck. Uh, but that's why it's hard for me to pick out individual spots. But I do remember Garcia was the, like when he pinned lethal, which was how the match ended the place went nuts. To me, this whole match was just created just for Garcia. What would you think about it? Yeah, I, I think I felt like Lethal was going to take the pin by either Briscoe or by Garcia. and But considering what they're doing with Garcia and kind of building him up um, with his showing toward the end of the Continental Classic and um, some of the matches he's been featured in in prominent spots, especially like tonight's match we'll talk about, obviously. Um, I think, you know, building him up slowly, like he'll have some losses along the way, but like he's showing that he can go with the top talent in AEW um, will definitely pay off later, you know, down the line this year or whenever they decide to to pull the trigger on him and, and really push him. So I feel like they're, they're, um, they're about to pull the trigger on him. Uh, 
it seems like he's this is he's very much being featured heavily again and it seems like this interesting enough in the post the the post pay-per-view scrum um he was asked about his contract he's in a contract here um so he's very determined to prove himself and i think he's off to a very good start a good good start at the end of last year into this year uh because we'll talk about tonight he's he's looking as good as i've ever seen him he was great before the interesting thing about him is he has so much personality and you don't think he should mm -hmm. and it comes out in everything he can promo his personality comes out in his wrestling he comes out in his his dancing like he he just he, he has it all so it's this is going to be a big year for him I'm, I'm i'm kind of excited yeah it's just one of the things where i feel like people who are so good technically on the mat get that you no know, unfair label of like having no personality or being really dry and you no know, not being good on the mic but then you have people like you know danielson zach saber jr you know johnson gresham who showed like yeah they can go on the mat but they can also have bigger than live personalities on the mic yeah abs absolutely um did you enjoy the match itself or yeah i mean it was good to see um a good way to put danielson on the card if, and then also you know as a way to kind of put him on pay-per-view for the crowd protect him a little bit for wrestle kingdom um and especially to kind of you know get the guys who have been busting their asses for the past whatever however many weeks it's been eight weeks six weeks of matches um to have the kind of payoff um to bookend the continental classic yeah, I, I I agree. I think that was a nice, you know, and and, and it continued stories over from the, from the previous however many weeks. And again, Garcia's whole story was culminated in that match. Uh, we move on to a match that I remember nothing about, and I'll explain why. It was Miro versus Andrade El Idolo. This I know I was not alone in this. No one seemed into this match, but it seemed to be for one very specific reason. We all knew Andrade was leaving. It had been broken earlier. I don't even know if it, earlier the day or a couple of days before that Andrade's contract was up, and it was expected he would go back to WWE. And the people at the pay per views, I know people say, "Well, not everyone's online, not everyone's informed." Most of the people who 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 go to the pay per views tend to be online, tend to be informed. So it seemed like the crowd was not into this. Because they just knew that Andrade was, they knew he was leaving, which meant they knew he was going to lose. So it was kind of like, what are we doing here? Uh, I thought the match itself was good from what I can remember. I don't have great details. I remember uh, CJ Perry in her outfit. Um, and she was, and then I do remember the end. She helped Miro and hurt Andrade, which is, I guess, Listen, there's no going to be no payoff for, for the Andrade thing, but there's still the payoff for the Miro thing where he had a look on his face after the match. Like, who are you and what are you doing? Mm -hmm. So pretty excited. I, I still like their story. Uh, but to me, this match just people people weren't into it because they knew um, Andrade was leaving. It, and it just seemed to you know, hang over the match. Your thoughts? Yeah, I going into the pay per view before 
a lot of that news broke. It was one of the matches I, I looked forward to seeing the most just because we haven't seen Miro a whole lot lately. And just the size of both him and Andrade in this match, and I thought it'd be really hard-hitting, which it was. Um, always loves watching Miro give his, you know, his his kicks, whether it's a you know the, his Moscow kick or whatever it's called. Uh, but yeah, I just never really got into that other gear for me, and maybe it's because of the crowd or because of you know when we knew that Andrade was was headed out of the company. Um, but I think it's, it's a good way to pivot um, CJ off of him, and you no, know, the and kind of bring her with. Miro, I think I'm always going to be the the end game, and it maybe just happened a little sooner than we thought it would. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I you're you're probably right on that one. They, I based on Tony Khan's press conference comments on Andrade, he was trying to keep Andrade, and he was in regular negotiation. So you could be right that they were putting him into a pretty well developed story in hopes of being like, hey. We we value you. Um, he's one of those guys that it's just going to end up being, I guess, a quote unquote miss on AEW's part. However, I'd say he was a quote unquote miss WWE's first part. Like now, I hopefully I hope for his sake he goes back and crushes it in WWE. He's too good at this to not crush it. Um, but I, I did ask a question on like doing the live watch along Saturday about thinking about where Andrade was and how he was used um, in AEW. And like you said, it really felt like he never, whether it's injury or other things, suspensions, he never really got to the level we thought he would be at in that company. And I was wondering to myself, you know, if you had a promotion, Ryan, you know, Ryan's all ego wrestling. Um, if you had your promotion, who would you, if you had to draft one of the guys, who would you draft, Roosh or Andrade? Roosh. Okay, that's that's what I said too. But <laughs> based on listen, I I would think most people would probably say Andrade because he's considered probably the better. But I have just loved what I've seen of Rouge, and he seemed like he is willing to do whatever. And he stepped into Andrade's role and filled it perfectly. And I don't think they missed a beat. So I I would go Rouge. It looks like we're on we're on the same side. We are. We have the women's world championship, Tony Storm versus Rio. Um, I actually really enjoyed this match. I thought this was a lot of fun. Uh Rio, they they tried to tell the story of, you know, Rio this is gonna be the fault they have with all Rio's matches, which is actually the fault that you have with Darby Allen matches, too. The story is always the other wrestler bodies them basically. So Tony Storm was out there tossing her around, and then Rio would get some advantages with speed and some agility, and she'd get her moments. But the story is constantly she gets tossed around, and then Tony Storm's uh, the one doing it. Tony, what am I says? Tony is. I'm, I'm trying to phrase this properly. Tony's a heel, clearly, character, but she's very, very loved, which I'm fine with. I don't. I think there's a weird thing where it's like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be a heel that gets cheers or or a, 
a face that gets booze. I don't care. I mean, would it be cool if she got the booze that she's trying to earn? Yes. But my bigger point is just act the way you're supposed to act as that thing. So they did it tonight with insulting New Jersey, those bastards. Um, she does it all the time where she's she acts like a heel. I don't care that she's getting cheers, and that's on the fans. But in the story, she's the heel because she's doing dastardly things. So when she faces baby faces, fans will know who the good guy and the bad guy is. And they'll be fine. The problem often ends up when you oh, she's getting cheers, so let's start changing the way she acts. It's like, well, that's not that's not how that works. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think in a match like this, um, Riho, I think, is used to being the overwhelming crowd favorite when she's in a match. And I don't think that was the case here. Um, I think, I think now Riho gets a reaction, don't get me wrong, but I think Tony Storm gets it more. And then after the match, after she wins, she had a flower pet. Mariah May came out. Like, I, I guess her. I don't think rose petals are just flower petals all over the ring. That was hilarious to me. I don't I don't know what, what are you doing, but the whole gimmick is great. What are your thoughts? You're talking about her the, the character work. I like when the character work is kind of up for interpretation of you know, I'm gonna act how I'm gonna act. It's up to you if you like it. You can cheer me. If you don't, boo me. Um it's kind of similar to what we've gotten with MJF, obviously, for the last, you know, last handful of months. Um, and I think it happens with all the, you know, quote-unquote cool hills, you know, whether it's the NWO or whether, you know, some other heel group or wrestler. Uh, and it doesn't help that, like, a lot of her stuff is very, like, comedic, right? Other than in shortcuts and matches, she, a lot of her stuff is just comedy. But I'm no, but at least these two these two wrestlers, her and Rio had a past, obviously. They've wrestled for the title before. Um and I didn't think Rio had any chance of winning the title off of Tony this time. But uh I just love how Tony wrestle like she beyond doing the character work, she like takes it into how she wrestles too. Like whether it's you know her moves or um I love. I mean, I like watching her do the single leg crab because, you know, we don't do we don't see enough single leg crabs. He is one of the most complete packaged wrestlers in wrestling. Not just AEW in wrestling. Um, there's a reason why in WWE they were putting her in a feud with Charlotte Flair. Now, granted, it was a pie in the face feud, but still, they were putting her in a feud with her because she is one of the most complete wrestlers they have. Um, she can talk and she can wrestle and she does all of it at an elite level. It's ironic that her best work so far in AEW is coming with one of the most ridiculous gimmicks that just seems to be getting, you know, that I love, but it's just kind of funny. But yeah, I'm with you. She, when she's in her match, like she's, she is putting in the work and she's not a, she's not a gimmick wrestler. Her matches are of the top quality. It, so uh, I completely agree. Uh, I will also say her post her pay per view scrum. Not only did she put her hat and glasses on Tony, which became awkward. Um, when asked by a certain Kate of Fightful and the goddamn Mark Hart podcast who she'd like to who are the free agents she'd like to, to wrestle, she stood up 
and called out Wendy Richter, saying she was going to fuck her up. That was one of the highlights of the entire night. <laughs> the best part is that she built it up. Like, you know, she knows there's a lot of big, a lot of big money free agents out there, big names, <laughs> and then she delivered that that line. I mean, to be able to, you know, have those, I those lines in back in the back of your head when people are asking questions and be like spot on. I mean, that's a talent. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, that's and and I got to give Kate credit. She asked a question that led to a moment. So, um, you know, good on her. SJ, you're late to the party. You really hurt her feelings. We'll never recover. We, we don't expect you to have a life. I don't understand. I don't understand what people don't get about this. You're not allowed to have lives. I'm just happy to be invited to a party. I mean, not me. It's just easier not to be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I just that was a great moment, and we'll see if that we'll see if somewhere down the road there's a payoff to that. I think it'd be very funny if they bring Wendy Richter back for just even a quick moment. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. Talking about parties. How about a house party? What do you mean? I don't know. I'm I'm leaning to the next match of of uh, someone's house that we could have the party at. Oh, but whose house is it? You tell me. I think who's it's Swerve's house. Swerve's house. That'd this was a party. this was a match I didn't understand at all. You know what, Scott? That hurts my 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 feelings. I'm gonna cry now. He's saying I'm putting everyone to sleep. I'm gonna cry now. I'm wow. Gonna go home. I'm gonna cry. You're already home. I don't know, Joe. I'm sorry. You're in hell with in the rain with Satan. Yes. Right. Right. Ain't no hurt. Uh, this is too bad. Like it just the injury bug bites Keith Lee at the worst freaking times. Uh, yeah, I mean, he put out a tweet earlier in the day, being like, "I'm trying my best. I've been hurt. Um, I got re got angered. I guess you say a final battle, and then right before the pay per view started, he got pulled. The medical team wouldn't let him wrestle. So for Tony Khan's comments and Keith Lee's. Keith Lee was trying, like he wanted to. It was the, it was the yeah. medical staff that said no. The problem I had with this whole thing is they tried to have their cake and eat it too, and I didn't like that. It, it was a little bit. It didn't make sense. The way the match was laid out didn't make sense to me. Of like having Dustin come through, come wrestle. Like I get why he came and wrestled for his tag team part. You know, he, he tagged with Keith, sure. But then for Swerve to attack him, to cinder block his ankle, to do the whole like, we, the, the, there's not going to be a match. We got to take Dustin back to get treatment. And then for him to come say, no, I'm going to wrestle another 15, 10 minutes or whatever it was. I, I don't. It if, did, you're it gonna have, if you're going to have Dustin, if you're going to have Swerve, Cinder block Dustin's ankle, which looked good. I mean, it looked like he delivered it. I actually was a little like, wow. <laughs> if you're going to have Dustin walk back to the ring, I want three to five minutes of, of Swerve just absolutely crippling Dustin. Mm -hmm. I want an ankle lock. I want a figure four. I want, I want everything that to hurt that ankle that you just messed up. What I don't want is a 10-minute match that actually where Dustin's getting offense in. It just doesn't make sense. Dustin doesn't need 
the the super base overcoming adversity thing. It's not who he is as a character, and he's not going to be. He's not. He's he has stated he doesn't have that much longer left in, um, in wrestling. So I don't understand why he doesn't need that. Swerve could use, not could use Swerve's as over as you can get, but it benefits Swerve to be very very evil. Yeah. So either you hurt him before the match, and then just absolutely devastate him in the match, where you're like, why did this happen? Or you have your match, and then after the match, you cinder block the angle. You could do one or the other. You should you, you you don't do it the way they did it. Yeah. That it just I have no more comments beside that, which is a it was just a poorly thought out. I get listen, I'm they get the benefit of the doubt in the sense of up until six o'clock, this wasn't this the set of match for the night. So they did think of something on the fly. So then we come to the other eight man tag as Doc calls it, and I agree, which is again in the best of ways, a clusterfuck on a match, which is um, the Sex Gods, Sting and Darby versus Big Bill and Ricky Starks and the Callis family, uh, Will Hobbs and Takeshita. Yeah, when you have these four, these eight-man matches, I, I find it very difficult to pull out spots. Um, this one was a clusterfuck of action. This one was especially kind of clustery and kind of clunky. Um, it didn't help. I mean, obviously you have the the weird crowd reaction, right? Due to random internet rumors and posts and accusations, all that stuff. But anyhow, you had the the crowd kind of different in this match, and then yeah, it just the between the people in the match, it just felt really clunky and it didn't. It just wasn't good. Um. I did like Takeshka's whatever it was, some kind of power bomb off the top rope that he delivered. Uh, yeah. But Takeshka is always doing something that just kind of makes you say, wow. Uh, but yeah, just it was, I wasn't expecting much from this match. But it didn't get it, much. It didn't get much, no. I'm going to say this. We're not going to, I will say, this is as much as we're going to say about it. There are rumors online about Jericho. So so the audience was against him. That's as far as we're going with it. He was Tony Khan was asked a couple times about Jericho and some NDAs. He would not address it. The reason we're not going to talk about it is because we don't know shit. And if we don't, if I don't know something, I can't talk about it. So, especially something of this serious nature. If it's a wrestling rumor of like who's signing where, I'll talk about that. But that's as far. So, if anyone was listening, and be like, "Oh, I don't think anyone listens to us expecting that opinion to come out." But if in the off chance you are, um, no, because I've learned in my life, some serious. If you don't know it, shut your mouth. Yeah, and I don't think that's, that's all. Right. That's the reason why the match was how it how it was. It's just it was no. just added layer to it. Of it, it affected the crowd, and yeah. the crowd obviously affects match. Now, I will say this: Kate was there. Not for this, but this isn't just for this match. I thought the crowd was poorly mic'd all night. Um, they were seemed quieter than I expected. And meanwhile, Kate's texting us, telling us it's like a party there. So I think I think that hurt a lot of the matches is that there was poor crowd miking. Yeah, I've listened to it, you know, through a stream with earbuds in, and it sounded okay. I could I could hear some of the louder things more than what you were, what you just mentioned, and I think Ant also mentioned that too. 
So I don't, yeah, it, it, it had to be poor miking. Yeah, because it was. I wasn't the only one. There was numerous people online saying the same thing, um, that it sounded like the crowd was dead, and Kate's telling us that it's a live crowd. So that sucks because, yeah. it, as we learned in the pandemic era, the crowd really does well make yeah. the match, especially when I think um, maybe in our in our our chat or our group chat. I think Ant mentioned something about he thought the crowd would have a little bit more dead than usual for MJF when he came out. Yeah, and meanwhile, Kate was telling us it was. Yeah. So. Um. So then we move on to the spooky match of the night. I had a good What'd you say? They had a good crowd behind it. Yes, you had the the TBS Championship match of Julia Hart versus Abaddon, which did have a "Let's Get Spooky" chant at some point in the match, or "You're both spooky," something along those lines, Um, or "This is spooky," some some form of spooky. But this was, I actually really enjoyed this match, but it wasn't. It's not going to get five stars. It was very much move, sell, say something, move, sell, say something. Like, which is kind of how Abaddon is a little bit. And it's not a knock on her. She's a character. Mm-hmm. So you're playing up on her zombie. Like her 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 house of black rules going to the match is that biting was legal. So we all kept waiting for her to bite Julia Hart. So when she did, it became a thing. Like that's what they were telling in this match. It was it was Abaddon's insanity, Julia being evil and not being quite as phased as she should have been. Though I think a little bit of phase there. Um it, it I enjoyed it, uh, but it definitely wasn't. When, when it wasn't the kind of matches Julia has been having, and it wasn't the matches Stat would have with the title, but I don't think that was a negative. I just think they had a clear design that this was the spooky match, and so they wanted to tell the story. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Is bite, is biting legal for you? Would you allow biting? No, because I don't think I'm going to... Well, I probably would do it. Hmm. Would you have yeah, a safe word in place? What's it again? Would you have a safe word in place? Are we talking in the match or in the bedroom? Yes. I mean, it's pineapples, but... Oh, okay. Well, I'm just saying, maybe you can use it in a match. You can say pineapple, you'd like a rope break. Fair enough. But yeah, I would... Listen, in, in a match, in a fight, I'm biting the shit out of anyone. Uh... Yeah, I agree with what you, your your analysis of the match and the one thing like Julia's uh, her finish missed by quite a lot on this one, <laughs> and she she had a streak of like she was nailing them the last couple of weeks, and then every now and then she'll have one that she totally misses. But uh, that that this one there wasn't enough quick camera cut angle to not see that one miss, but. It happens. Yeah, I mean, I I, st- I don't view this as a letdown of a match because no. of the story that was told. I th- I hope they continue to use Abaddon. I think she's an interesting character. I think she could play a role against other people. So I hope she she stays around. Um, because they do have a habit of having a woman's contender just then disappear. We go to our next match, which to me was the first time I felt the crowd into it all night, which again, I think is a miking issue, but they got loud on this and not Mike Pierce an issue, even though he is an issue. 
because he's the in the issue. chat. Um, like, like the problem, like Marina Shafir, but like the issue. Yeah, exact. There you go. Um, it was Christian Cage versus Adam Copeland for the TNT title. It was no DQ. It was violent. Um, they used chairs. They used kendo sticks. They lit a table on fire. It was awesome, though. Like, it was, didn't feel like a, and I don't want to knock a death match, but didn't feel like a death match. It felt like two guys who were like, my knock on death matches is sometimes, and this is the one thing I'll say about death match, it's actually not a problem with anyone who does it, is that because the nature of a death match is just to be violent, um, I don't always feel the heat or the emotion behind the violence. It's just like, I'm out here with a pizza cutter to hurt you. But like, I don't care. I'm just going to do it. Meanwhile, in this no DQ match, it felt like two guys who were friends who are now bitter enemies. And it just, it hits different when you have that level of violence between two guys who were, who were best friends. So the funny thing was, you know, was we want tables all night. Now, I think people might have expected fire because if I'm not mistaken, he wore the same gear he wore at WrestleMania when he faced McFoley, Adam Copeland. Um, but they pull it, Christian pulls out a table. Crowd's going wild. Because <sighs> they've been chanting, we want table. I think they started, we want fire soon after that. Christian pulls out the lighter fluid. Oh, no. Well, then Copeland gets involved. He, he gets Christian knocked out. He puts lighter fluid on. Meanwhile, Nick Wayne is there, and he's having to pretend he's knocked out on the ropes. But Copeland's taking forever, so he's just kind of hanging there. He eventually lights it on fire. He gives Nick Wayne a power bomb, but only Nick Wayne's ass hits the table. The Rex hits the floor, which looks way more painful. Oh, by the way, there was ladders, so they did the full TLC. Because um, I think Nick Wayne might have hit the ladder on his foot, but he only caught the his ass only hit the fire. The part of me thinks that might have been better because I don't think I like people falling into fire, even though it goes out kind of quick. Um, so I just th that moment will crack me up. All that set up because Nick Wayne's just hanging there like a, like he's a dead man, waiting and waiting. As, as but crowd loved it, ate it up. Adam Copeland wins. He he beats TNT uh, beats Christian Cage in an amazing match. He's a TNT champion. He's celebrating. Out comes Kill Switch, and he attacks Copeland and puts him down. He wants his contract cashed in. Tonight, like the money in the bank, I'm going to get my TNT title shot that he had won in the Battle Royal. This is what I thought was going to happen, mind you. I thought they were going to get to this part. I never thought they'd go through with the match. I thought Christian and Killswitch would start fighting. And that they would, Edge would, Adam Copeland would leave with the title because they couldn't get along. They, they, they pulled something better out. Kill switch gives Cage, uh, Christian Cage, the contract. Why? I don't know. I mean, he was the, the fresh man. Well, he was relatively fresh man. He could have put Christian Cage down in a second. Gives Christian Cage the contract. Christian, Christian cashes it in. Nails Edge with a, uh, nails Coburn with a spear. One, two, three. Matches over. He's back to TNT champion. Oh, boy, the heat on Christian Cage after that. Stealing the contract, winning it back. I mean, that was a really well done heel move. 
for the best heel going right now. I loved everything about this match. What do you think? Yes, it, it was a good, a good uh, payoff for now between the two of them. Like, I think you you keep them separated for a little bit. Uh, the table spot, you know, with Nick Wayne trying to go through the through the table with the power bomb and clipping it barely. Kudos to him for selling like he was on fire, though. That guy rolled around up the ramp, thinking he was on fire. Um, so good for him for selling that. I also I had we all had we all predicted Christian would win. So when he didn't initially, I'm like, oh, okay, that's su- surprised me. And then you know having Hill Switch come down and almost you know cash in like a money in the bank type of match with a contract. Um, I thought, okay, he'll win it, and I'll cause some more div- div- divisiveness between him and Christian. But uh, had no, yeah, I wasn't didn't see the Christian talking him into giving him the contract. So apparently, kill yeah. switch is kill switch is more like cut switch. Apparently, um, his sister. I will also say, uh, Big G mentions it. They liked that they won with each other's finisher. Finisher, that's correct. Edge won with the the kill switch, and um, Christian. I keep saying Edge, but whatever. And Christian won with the the, the spear. So I I agree. I think that was a very nice twist on everything. Again, the, I what they call it. I said, do we call the kill switch the Luchasaurus now instead? Oh that actually is really funny. I wish they would. <laughs> and he hits him with the Luchasaurus. Um, so so I, I approved of that. We moved on to Eddie Kingston oh. versus John Mock. What's up? What's up? Since Chase's not here, I do have a spot that, to mention during that match besides the table one. The okay. Christian doing the Boston Crab while sitting on the chair. Like he had the chair. Oh, like, that, that was a good spot. Adam, and he said <laughs> doing the Boston Crab. That was a good one. Um, yeah, I'm going to give you that. Uh, so we move on to Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley for the Continental Championship. They were the two finalists in 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 the uh, the tournament. Eddie Kingston came back from his his hole. Um, this was what you thought this would be. They beat the crap out of each other with no weapons. Just beat the hell out of each other um, with chops and punches and kicks and if they, if they you know hard slams and it was just. What was that, Joe? You're muted. I was doing my punches, chops, and kicks like Parappa. Oh, okay. oh, that's right. I forgot. I wasn't. I didn't have PlayStation at that time, so that was not a game for me. Um. But yeah. So they. I mean, it was literally what you wanted between these two. Every move looked angry. Every move looked painful. And then you had Danielson on commentary selling the crap out, being like. I know how hard he is, but he doesn't like really putting both guys over continues. Like when Mox would, would be people like he prepared for Kingston. He's hitting him hard. And then when Kingston would turn around, be like, well, you know who Eddie Kingston is. Like it was, I loved this. Um, you had Eddie Kingston pull it out and maintain and win his titles his three that apparently, um, he can use anytime he wants. Uh, I don't understand how you can separate him out, but that's whatever. Uh, but yeah, I thought it looked awesome. I, I mean, I love this whole match. What do you think? 
I describe this match as a love letter to Japanese wrestling, whether it's New Japan or All Japan. Uh, it had the feeling of that style of just strong style hitting and strikes. Uh, everything from I, I figured that Eddie was going to win this match as soon as I saw him come to the ring and different gear that he usually wears, which again honors some of the four pillars of All Japan Wrestling. Uh, it, it was just two best friends being the living hell out of each other to prove who the best, the better man is. And I like the fact, like you said, that Danielson was on commentary to really, you know, sell how good both of these guys are. And it really put over how much respect uh, Eddie earned from Danielson from being him and the other guys in the Continental Classic. From you know Eddie is a bum to Eddie strikes harder than Mox and does you know and put him over. It it was it was one of my favorite matches of the night. Yeah, yeah I agree. My favorite match. It was my favorite. I I really like just how aggressive and angry these two were. But they told a story too. Was again, I'm I'm in case anyone notices, I don't call out a lot of spots. I've said this before. It's not just a joke with Kate. I don't notice spots, really. I mean, I do. There's going to be a couple I wrote down for tonight, um, mostly in the Dikeshta Darby match. But uh, I'm not a I'm the story guy. I like stories about like the story of the match, the story outside of the match. And the story in this match was two friends, each having to prove something to each other. Eddie had to prove the Mox that he could do it, that he didn't need Mox's help. And Mox had to prove, I don't know what Mox was less having to prove, I guess, something to Eddie and more like, I have to give you everything so that you could prove yourself to me. It was kind of like, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, um, I'm the story guy. That's that, that makes sense for a guy who writes a, you know, a history blog. Yeah. I'm all about the story. I don't need the, I don't need the details. Just give me, give me the story. And then we move on to our match, our final match of the night. MJF versus Samoa Joe for the AEW Championship. Joe comes out to his typical Joe, Joe, Joe. MJF plays a package, which I thought was hilarious. And they were, you know, it was all Long Island people praising him. And then there was this one chick talking about something her and MJF did in the back of some car, which got bleeped out. It was killed me when they got to it. Uh, so that was great. This was, I don't want to say a surprisingly lopsided match. Because it wasn't completely lopsided. MJF got some stuff in, but Joe kind of dominated from from start to finish. It felt like now the whole thing that helps is everybody knows that MJF is for real injured, so you didn't have like that's not even telling a story. That's just what it is. Um, the match ended when Cole couldn't find the, bra- the 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 diamond ring, and Joe got in the rear naked choke. And it happened so quick, I don't think people expected it to work. I think people expected MJF to, 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 you know, escape. But he didn't. Joe over, Joe has his title. Joe is the world champ. I love that. He's going to kill it as world champ. Um, we'll talk about him in a second. Well, I don't know how to divvy this up. Let's talk about Joe real quick because the other thing is low. Yeah. Joe is a great champ for this company. He can talk. His his press conference afterwards was magnificent. You should send him out to do press all the time. He nailed it. And he is a killer in the ring. 
I don't think his reign will be long. I think it'll be on the shorter side, but I think it'll be great. Uh, what do you think of the match, and what do you think of uh, Samoa Joe as the champ? The match was longer than I thought it was going to be. I, I didn't know how long they would make it for MJF was, was so banged up. So the fact that it went as long as it did, you know, kudos to MJF for, you know, working his ass off while beat up and injured, um, you know, to do the job. And, no, I mean, it, it showed, it proved to me even more, like, when you're watching the match and you see him take that muscle buster on the edge of the apron, which is apparently the hardest part of the ring. So you knew it hurt. And, I think um, I heard that somewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense. Right, not really, but no. Uh, so yeah, it went a little bit longer, but I think you know Joe winning in the way he did, you know all the the injuries and everything else caught up with MJF. I mean, he was beaten down leading up to this match, um, beyond just in real life, and so I think having Joe choke him out, it's always good to. To have a guy just kind of you know pass out instead of tap out, right? I think that helps protect people as a trope and everything else. But yeah, I, I think yeah. Joe as a champion will be great. He is your ultimate Swiss Army knife of a wrestler who can do anything, everything you ask of him. Whether it's a champion, whether it's doing media promo tours, whether it's media scrums, you know, whether it's being a mid-card guy, like the guy just can do it all. And he just he has a wide range of character. Yeah, I agree. So then after, so we've addressed Joe, but then the big moment of the night. After the match, Adam Cole's in the ring with MJF. They're consoling one another. And the devils come out. I actually don't even know if they were in the ring or Cole got in the ring after the devils came out. One way or the other. The devils came out. And they grab both Adam Cole and MJF, and they have them both on their knees, and they pull out a chair. And they're going to hit, and you have Adam Cole saying, hit me, hit me, and you have MJF saying, no, hit me, hit me. And it's an adorable friend moment. And the lights go out. They're out a decently long time, so I knew something was going on. I think everyone and their mother thought Adam Cole is going to put on the mask or something like that. And it, the lights go back on, and he's sitting in the chair surrounded by the devils and it's the kingdom taven and bennett and it's um roderick strong and it's wardlow and adam cole in the chair and i thought that was an amazing reveal just because i think i think pulling off the mask is a very typical wrestling thing i think having him sitting in the chair with his hair slicked back slicking his hair back i just thought it was great MJ, and mjo being like not you not you and then they just beat the hell out of MJ. i loved i absolutely love this moment i love rod um I think Adam Cole was the predictable um, devil, but the good devil. Like I, I saw this a couple different places. Uh, it's okay. Predictable is okay when it's good, and that's what this was. Predictable was okay because it was good. Yeah. What do you think? Well, my moment of tonight is saying hello, Jesse Ozog. So, hello, Jesse. Good seeing you. Oh. Thanks for by. Ant's not here since he's watched, he was watching the wrestling in person, but I'm saying hi to you. Ryan apparently doesn't like you. Uh, 
the yeah, I I I think about this the saying of you know don't let don't let great get in the way of good. So people, some people you know, want it to be a bigger reveal or a bigger uh, story, but like it having Adam Cole be the predictable devil. I mean, it worked with the story all along, and it made logical sense that he was the devil. Um, he's from all the signs you point out, and then from him being in the locker room with Max and him even with his feud with Max when they were going back and forth, um, he always kind of showed Max that he was, even though he was kind of being a nice guy, he could always be a step ahead and knew exactly what Max would do um, as a heel. Like, he knew, like, what little shortcuts he would try to take. Um, and I think he just showed that it still reminds us of how conniving Adam Cole is when he wants to be. He can still be the mega heel and outsmart everyone. And the fact that, you know, again, the fact that he suggested he kept selling Joe to Adam makes all the more sense now. I agree. So overall, Joe, what was your impression of the pay-per-view? So the my, the pay-per-view for me was very, and for most people, I think it's it very backloaded. Uh, the first, you know, first half or three-fourths almost of the show were kind of Nah, it was it didn't do anything for me too much. Um, obviously, the Eddie match, Eddie and Moss saved it. Um, Ma, uh, MJF and uh, Samoa Joe and the story of that match more so than the wrestling of the match really helped propel that propel the pay per view in the end. Um, so if I had to get a, a letter grade, it would fall somewhere in like the B minus range. Yeah, I think that, I think I would B minus B B minus. I think I'm, I'm in the same spot. Uh, I think, uh, I think it was like you said, it was very backloaded. And if it, we were just doing from the back, like the back on, it'd be a plus plus, but the front, you have to count the front and there was some good there, but there was also some not great. Um, so I think a B B minus is, is about right. Yeah, there's business in the front, party in the back. Exactly. Jesse Jesse Ozuck says it. A tale of two pay per views. It really was. Of course you would say that. That sounds like a literature thing. Yeah, yeah, he, he, Jesse would. All right. So that brings us to what will now be our commercial break of uh, the 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 Joe and Ryan party show. Uh, when we come back, we'll we'll discuss dynamite. Um, hold on. So please hang around, listen to our commercials, and we will be back as soon as I can figure this out. every one of you for tuning in every Monday night to listen to The Shining Wizards. If you'd like to continue to support us outside of listening, we've got a few ways for you to do that. If you shop at Amazon, go over to Amazon.ShiningWizards.com, do your shopping as usual, and when you make your purchase, a little bit of that purchase price will go back to support the show. If you like to wear t-shirts, Merch.ShiningWizards.com will take you to our Pro Wrestling Tees store, where we've got over a dozen great designs from over 11 years of professional wrestling podcasting. 
You can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash wizardspodcast, where each and every week we call out your name as one of our show producers, and the more you support us, the more things that you're entitled to receive, and believe me, they are fantastic. If you can't support us monetarily, if you don't shop at Amazon, that's absolutely fine. Continue to listen to us wherever you listen to us on the World Wide Web, and make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. It doesn't cost you anything, helps us out, and we can continue to bring you the love fest that is The Shining Wizards. What's up, folks? It's your boy, the Impact Player, Mr. Philly Ray, inviting all of you to check out the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we cover all things current in the world of pro wrestling, as well as paying homage to the old school, the squared circle. So listen in and find out why we are the recognized symbol of excellence in sports, entertainment, broadcasting. Find us on all social media platforms and anywhere you get your podcast from. And as always, we are the proudest members of the Shining Wizards Network and Rant Entertainment Media. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, BitChute, and on ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. Got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones, too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly, available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast, that's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T, and you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcast, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps. you like your music heavy then check out radioactive metal on the shining wizards network for over 16 years now radioactive metal has been one of the longest running podcasts over the years we've interviewed some legendary metal acts had some awesome discussions and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes so join your cool uncle snowy and his co-host aaron for the audio mosh pit that is radioactive metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. Well, the action is underway. What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast... Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums. Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage 
of Everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder because if you don't find us, we will find you. I'm Kevin Rowe. I'm Al Day. And we're a couple of down-under pounders that co-host Dots, an action figure collecting podcast where we talk about, well, just about anything that tickles our fancy at any given moment. We're grumpy old men, and sometimes people get on our nerves, and when you get on our nerves, guess what? You get off the lawn. Get off my lawn, asshole! We also go on a little bit of a mission. We go back and we're grading every wrestling figure line that's out there. I'm talking LJMs. I'm talking Jacks. I'm talking Hasbros. Who doesn't like a little Hulkaplex? It's a Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast production found on the Shining Wizards Network. I'm Duke Bags. Kevin Rowe! And together we are the co-hosts of your Duke Road. If you want to hear about some terrible wrestling shows, we got you covered. Well, we talk about good ones, too. We're currently talking about the death of WCW. I know what we're fucking talking about. Sometimes we get uh, guest spots, like from the Taskmaster. I like to uh, I like to listen to the Year of Duke and Rope podcast. They're uh, funny guys. That, uh, I like when they I like when they talk about the, the, the Nards plows. I like Nards plows. That's, uh, that's a good move. And uh, I like the Dungeon of Doom. You know, sometimes, sometimes I, I call my butt the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Oklahoma. Let me tell you a little bit about my favorite wrestling podcast. All right. It's a podcast for two men. Two men. Duke Banks, Kevin Rowe. They talk about professional wrestling. It's a man's sport. All right. And who better to talk about a man's sport than Duke Oklahoma. Once in a while, Vince Russo is top five. Oh, you piece of shit! If you're not listening to the Year of Duke and Rome podcast in the back with the boys, you piece of shit, I don't know what you're doing. It's, uh, you gotta slide one in there. If you're a man, if you're a man, you're talking about something only a man can do. You're talking about sliding one in there. Bro, take the time to slide one in there. Alright, bro, you piece of shit. Slide one in there. A Gorilla Brain Wrestling podcast production that you can find on the Shining Wizards Network. And we are back. I pulled that one off smoothly. Woohoo! Um, before we get into pitching some things, I want to say happy birthday, Meet Normus, who's in the chat. I'm finding out it's it's Meet's birthday, so hopefully it's packed with meats. Um, to be fair, it's always a day to celebrate meat. That's true. But, you know, if, if, if you want to get meat, uh, something for his birthday, what I would suggest is going to ProWrestlingTees.com backslash MarkOrderPod or going to any of our socials at MarkOrderPod that's on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, I think we even have, um, and and go to our link tree and you can get our go to our um, our Pro Wrestling Tees store and you can buy Meet Normus, a nice shirt from the Mark Order podcast. Four different designs. So 
Buy them one of each if you're feeling generous. If not, just pick out the favorite. I just think it'd be a good gift for me. So go buy a shirt. And if you don't need to buy one for me because you're a vegetarian or something, buy yourself one. Buy someone you love one. You know, I know we just had Christmas, but I'm sure you forgot someone. Get them a shirt. They'll love it. So that's my recommendation for what you should do. You should follow us on all socials at Mark Order Pod. And then you should go buy a shirt at Mar- uh, the prosynthes.com backslash Mark Order Pod. Nice. Well, before we talk about tonight, Ryan, I wanted to ask you, um, one, what are you doing Saturday? Saturday, And two, I've heard the song that says Saturday night's all right for fighting. But I feel like there's probably something else that Saturday night is also all right for. Any guesses? I heard that Saturday, I heard that on Saturdays, you and I collide. Do, 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 do. Howie Day, yes. Yes, I, I go all over the place. I believe, if my calendar is correct, that for the first time, and not the only time, well, not the first time, but starting this Saturday and every Saturday from here on out, you can catch Joe and I doing the Collider cast, which is basically us stealing the name Manicast. But we've been doing live streams before. We did live streams before that. But we will be live streaming um, Collision. We will not have, obviously, Collision up on our stuff because we would get yelled at immediately by uh, Warner. But we will be watching, giving our opinions, thoughts, feelings, emotions on the match taking place. We will also cover news and notes on um, AEW during the week because there's as I'm sure we all know there's commercials. There's also just downtime and matches. So it's a show where we'll, we'll watch wrestling, we'll comment on it live, and we'll give you our feelings on AEW of the week. That will kind of spread things out a little bit. We will have a rotating cast of friends that we, we bring in each week. Um, obviously, when we've done these in the past, we've just kind of overloaded it. We're not going to do that because this is now going to be consistent. So if it's consistent, it's probably just a lot easier to try to get one or two in per week just to you know keep things smooth but yeah this is all our new um our new thing here we're adding a second show we are we are adding a collision it is the collider cast with joe and I. so i hope everyone could tune out 750 on saturday uh obviously 10 minutes before collision starts just to kind of say hi what's going on how you doing and then uh there we go so joe will i see you there well, I'm not going to tell you. Um, no, I will be there. Yes. Oh, I, I, I would. I would. I wouldn't even be mad. I'd start laughing. <laughs> Aunt would be mad. Um, That's why I'd start laughing. No, I can't wait to, to collide with you, Ryan. It's always fun. And and collide. Do do do. So it'll be a good time, and I'm glad that it'll kind of. You no, know, like we said. Toward the end of the, the, the last show of the year, we talked about doing more content and new content for the Mark Warrior podcast. And this is kind of the, we started doing some more YouTube shorts and reels and TikTok things. And uh, this is just another progression. And we'll hopefully have more as the year progresses. Yeah, that's, and, and you know, and this will be every week. This isn't going to be a one-off. This is going to be our thing, I, barring something in the way. Um, where obviously where there's four of us on the show. So Clidercast is mostly going to be Joe and I with Ant and Kate filling in when they joining or filling in when they want. Um, but otherwise it'll be Joe and I, but however, Joe and I are out and both, I, I think it'd be very rare 
that the two of us are out. But if both of us are out by that that weird happenstance, Kate and uh, Ant would be more than happy to step in. So it's something we are going to continue to do. Um, so hopefully it's fun. You guys enjoy it. Uh, fixing my camera real quick. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Charade. Ryan's camera's gone. He's not really with Satan. Oh, there he is. He is. So there you go. That that was my plug. Ant can't kill me. Um, we're going to start with die. No, my. So it started with a. Uh, uh, I almost said an Asian joke. <laughs> started with a Samoa Joe promo from uh, right after World's End, because um, he was he was still sweaty and holding the belt. Uh, not a. It was it was a great promo. But it wasn't what I call substantive in the sense of like it didn't initiate a new feud. It's not starting a new story. It was just a really cool winning promo. So I don't have a lot to add to it. I'm not going to go through it. I thought it was, uh, like I said, it's 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 on YouTube. It's on their their AEW stuff. But it was a fun post promo. I don't know if you want to say anything about it. Like I said, there was not a lot. No, it gave me the very. Uh... It, it was a different way to kick off Dynamite. Kind of gave me the, the collision feel, but um, it's a good way to get him on the program. And also, not all Joes are the same, Ryan. So let you know he is Joe of the Samoas. I am Joe of Asia. So, I you know I knew that, but you both have a name and then your name. So, um, I I, I, I you know I was looking at you. I'm an old name. All right, I get confused. We do then start the show with another promo. Well, what will be a promo? We have uh, Adam Cole's music play. Crowd starts to boo. And then suddenly it cuts out. And it gets black and white or gray or whatever you want to call it. And a new song starts to play. Nice guitar riff. Good, good job, Mike Urakis. And you see Undisputed in gray. I think Ethan Page on Twitter called it Spider-Man Letters. Undisputed. And out walks, and I love the song. I love Undisputed. They're now out walks the new, newly named Undisputed Kingdom. Adam Cole, Bebe, Roderick Strong, The Kingdom, Bennett and um, Taven, and Warlow, the group that helped the Devils from, from the pay-per-view. And they walk out. Adam Cole's still on crutches. And they go into the ring. He sits down. And Adam Cole starts to cut a promo. And I think it was a... I, we were texting during this time. And all of us kind of agreed. It was an extremely logical promo. In it, he basically says that Max has spent the last five years backstabbing, betraying, and tearing down everyone here. And that he was only friends with me until I stopped being useful. And then he was going to betray me. So I did it first. That I basically, if you know someone's going to shoot, you shoot them. <laughs> like, I hate to say it that way, but that was kind of like he stabbed him in the back before he could get stabbed in the back. And that was kind of the essence of his promo. And then he went down to that the whole point of the Undisputed Kingdom, I got to make sure I don't say error, the Undisputed Kingdom is to win titles. So you already have the ROH tag titles with the Kingdom. You're going to have Roderick Strong going for the international title, which I fucking love 
you're going to have Wardlow go for the main title. But don't you worry, you Adam Cole friends. When Adam Cole gets healthy, Wardlow's going to just hand him the title. Which, not sure how that's going to play out, but interesting enough. Um, and basically the whole gist of it is they are the new... Uh, oh, and then he went to... Samoa Joe basically saying like, hey, we're friends. Um, good night, Ant. Ant in the comments. Sorry, he distracted me. Um, Ant was there live tonight, and he was just saying he's going to catch up on some other things and sleep, and I don't blame him. Uh, it sounds like he had fun, so I'm glad he went. Uh, he, but Adam Cole says to Samoa Joe, like, hey, we, we worked well with us. We're friends. I hope you're not the champ when Wardlow gets to, to that level because I'd hate to see someone beat up a friend, which is just such a dick statement. And I love it. Adam Cole's a very good heel. Like he really is. Um, I'll stop there. Do you have any comments on that side of the promo? Oh, a lot of things. Um, this promo was, there's so much to unpack and there's so much good things that came out of this. You know, talking about how we got to this point and also setting up so many things going, going forward. Like you mentioned with, uh, different title pictures um first of all the music the undisputed kingdom music it still had that little like undisputed era flavor to mm -hmm. it which is great just enough to give you that uh that little nostalgia pop maybe the biggest thing about this promo is i'm glad that roddy's neck is healthy um it always was he's not wearing the brace anymore it always was so I don't care what you say. You're wrong. You're a hater. Roddy, Roddy's neck has been a long time coming to get to this point. So I don't know if he had to sell his neck to the devil for the health of it, but hey. It, uh, it, it, it always was. Um, I, I see comments in our chat. Uh, Meet Normus thought he dragged. I don't agree with that, but that's the beauty of wrestling was we think something. But he doesn't understand Wardlow's place and one LT photo sounds the same way that they don't, that he doesn't understand um, Wardlow's place. I, a out of place. And I hate the fact that they keep throwing Wardlow into factions. Like they always make him that kind of budget. That me. was what I would. Yeah. But uh, I, he, I understand why he joined the fact, the group to get his revenge on, you know, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. So I feel like this is one of the things where he joins up with this faction to serve his interests. And my hope in fantasy booking world would be that when we get to that point of Wardlow and Adam Cole fighting over a belt, the championship, that's when you have Kyle O'Reilly come back, hopefully, and he can help Adam and kind of take over that spot where Wardlow is currently at. So I'm with you 100%. He, why do you keep putting him in factions? Um, why do you... I, I, I don't... I don't know. The problem is he, he's... Ever since he cooled down, he's he, they have not been able to heat him back up. They've tried. Um, he doesn't fit with them. And the, I, I will agree with, with one LT and meet Normus on that. So Scott, see, I am agreeing with meet Normus. They are right. He doesn't fit in the traditional sense of this group. Like the kingdom 
Roddy and Cole were all friends. They were all ROH guys who came up together. They were in a group together. Like they, they're all friends. Um, I don't, Warlow's clearly not. He is just a dude. I would have almost been like, he's not actually part of the group. He was just, he was just out to hurt Max. And once that was done, he was done. Um, but I understand they also probably don't know, know another way um, to handle him and, and make it easy. Kate is saying this is just his path to get back to MJF. That's probably the truth, but I don't know. There's also the theory that being in a group got him uh, got him heat, heated up before, got him so popular that maybe putting him back in a group is what he needs. I'm not sure I buy that, but I, I, they weren't doing anything with him anyway, so what the hell. After the, the Undisputed uh, Kingdom, I want to say air. After the Undisputed Kingdom cuts their promo, out comes Jay White. And I loved this thing too. And he was basically saying, like, hey, this attacked me. What the hell's that all about? I'm not okay with that. And I got friends too. Unfortunately, he's down one friend, otherwise the numbers would be even. But they charge the ring and they the, the guns come out looking jacked. And they run down the, the um they run down the ring and then they they fight, but unfortunately, they are outnumbered. And Wardlow starts to, and then you have the acclaimed run out, and they go after the Devils. And I know some people might not be into that. I am because they're not saying the acclaimed and the Bull Club Gold are friends. They're saying they all just hate the Devils. They Devils attack them, so now they hate them. So like that, that is such good logic. That is, uh, you can't go beating everyone up and tearing things up and not have have somebody respond. So I, I, I really liked that. What were, what were your thoughts on all this? Yeah. And I think I agree with all that. And I, I set up, you know, bullet club gold and the acclaimed and United uh, kingdom or undisputed United kingdom, undisputed kingdom. It sets them up for having these kind of, you know, trio feuds. We can get the belts off of the acclaimed finally. Um, and I don't think Bullet Club Gold is just, you know, they don't think they turn them face. I think they just turn, they keep them a seal and they're just upset that, you know, they, that Jay got jumped. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to, again, how this whole promo and this whole segment built so many different feuds and storylines going forward. And this being one of them. Yeah. So um, there's a quick promo from Daniel Garcia. Talking about his master uh, swerve, I don't. It was a nice promo, but I don't think it really needs much talking. Uh, yeah, uh, we move on to Dante Martin versus Orange Cassidy for the international championship. Hold on, I actually have this. Um, and this was made. This kind of came out of uh, the trios match that they had on Rampage, which we did not talk about, but in which Dante Toffley and um, Action Andretti beat Orange Cassidy. Team. So I forget who was on Orange Cassidy, Danhausen, and I forget uh, was it Danhausen? I don't remember. But either way, they beat they beat Orange Cassidy's stuff, and so this match was made. I wrote down if I can find it. Um, athletic chain wrestling. Um, they what I mean by that is, uh. 
they would they would do chain wrestling like you see, but everything had a step of athleticism to it. They would pop up or they would flip over or they and they'd go into another move. It wasn't it was chain wrestling, but it wasn't like your typical like like Zack Sabres Jr. does it. They they added an air of athleticism, which I really enjoyed. I also want to point out um they uh at one point uh I'm having a night. What the hell is his name? Mask who calls the matches. Excalibur. Jesus Christ. Like that's where my brain's at. Like, at one point Excalibur calls uh Orange Cassidy the AE International Championship champion. I'm like, where's the W in that? There's there's a whole see, I'm missing things, and so is he. Um, and I just want to say at one point, uh Dante just delivered some of the most vicious kicks to, to Orange Cassidy that I've ever seen. Uh, Orange Cassidy ends up winning because Dante misses a move and Orange hits the Orange Punch. punch. What do you think? This was a fun match due to the the styles and, like you said, the the early mat wrestling with, uh, especially like right away you had the kind of like a flip of Orange Cassidy that went to an up kick by Dante into Orange's face it was fun. Um, I I liked the little orange when he did the, the run around the range to get momentum to, to hit Dante on the outside, where he kind of like slowly like walked and jogged. Um, I enjoyed yeah. that one. The the cat and mouse between Dante and Orange about like how they kind of bit off of each other's style, whether it's Dante doing you know, the, the slow kicks and all that stuff, or Orange kind of doing more of the you know, quick flying um, arm drags and things of that nature. Uh, you know, Dante wasn't going to win, but the his moment came on that that splash where he had to like walk off the turnbuckle, walk, take a couple of steps on the rope, and then leap across the ring. Uh, that was his shining moment for me in the match. Um, but then we had a lot of things happen after the match. Well, so that's just it. After Orange Cassidy wins, Dan Housen and Hook get in the ring with him, and then you have um, Darius and Action Dreddy get in the ring for Dante, and Dante and Orange shake hands, and I'm like, is, is Toph like going to turn on, on Orange? Like, are they going to suck him? I thought some, and all of a sudden, it's year. oh my god, is that private party? And, and out comes not just one member of private, Isaiah Cassidy. No, no, no. You got both members of Private Party. Mark Quinn made his triumphant return after God knows how long he was out, and the place loved it. I mean, they were over as Grover. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Um, the chants, welcome back, were, were all over. And they basically came out and said, we think, we, need, we think this tag division needs to shake up. We're here. We're coming for the tag divisions. We're coming for the belts. Fucking love this. What'd you think? Yeah, I'm glad people are getting healthy again and are coming back. It's this on a bigger picture, this episode felt like a reset or a refresh or you know a start of obviously a new year, but it just felt like bringing people back, bringing people in. It's just nice, and to have a focus on the tag team division again, like with all these, how deep the talent is in that division. And I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Incredible. Um, and then, so 
that that was that. And they, they introduced themselves and reintroduced themselves, I should say. We cut to a backstage segment I will talk about. Um, Renee Paquette interviewing Tony Storm. And she Tony Storm disparages New Jersey, which was rude. Um, says she belongs on Broadway, and so she's going to Manhattan. And she's not going to watch Mariah May's match. And then she does her signature. She gets Luther to pick her up. She has her chin up. It's out. And she kicks off her shoe. Just in another amazing moment of um, uh, Tony Storm. I'm going to sneeze. Maybe Tony needs to visit central New, Jer- New Jersey to get a better picture of how wonderful New Jersey is. Doesn't exist. Mm, says you. And Aunt. The guys who have lived in New Jersey their whole lives. From the two opposite ends. Yeah. The north and the south. But no, there's one person who lives in central. No, there's no central. You're the north or south, and Trenton is the dividing line. I feel Um, like you should listen to me as the expert who lives in the Midwest in Omaha on the geographic nature of New Jersey. But yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, Come back from commercial. Renee's interviewing Swerve. He cuts a promo on Daniel Garcia. It's fairly good. And then kind of lays out that he's coming for the belt, which is what we all kind of expected. He, he was he was coming for the belt. Kate, it may, the governor made it up because he felt he was trying to win votes. No one believes in Central Jersey. Um, we move on to the amazing debut of Mariah Mavers and her match against Queen Aminata. And I like Queen Aminata. She was a regular in Dark and Elevation. She was very good. Um, uh, well, there's like two of us I have to. Pouring um, one out for Dark. Yes, the poor multiple uh, ones out for Dark. Um, hold on. Ryan lives in New Jersey, Philadelphia. Okay, Ant says it too. You've lived in New Jersey for like five years. We've lived in New Jersey for entire lives. You get no say in this. Um, so, Mar- so Queen Amanada is good. Uh, Kate, I will give her credit, said it. She would hopes Queen Amanada gets the, the graphic. I hope Queen Amanada gets the graphic. I think she's awesome. Uh, this was a really fun match. Mariah May is very good. She had a very good time in stardom. She's 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 got a lot to offer. I I think this is. Uh, I'm gonna have to boot one LT photo for insulting Philly, but that's a whole different thing. Um, this was a really good match. Do you have any comments on the match? I just think it was a great debut for Mariah May. I think these two went at it and both had offense. It wasn't one-sided. Yeah. And I, and to be you know, honest here, I wasn't as familiar with Mariah May's work in stardom. I didn't watch that promotion. So um, it was really my first time seeing her in the ring. And she is a star. Like, we knew that she was a star from her segments that she'd been doing with Tony and the character work, um, her presentation, uh, and then, like, her in-ring ability, her physical style. Um, it was just I wasn't sure what to expect, and it delivered. And um, Queen Yamanada, you know, I've seen her like you said on Dark, and, and she's always been a really good talent to help uh, put people over. And some of the slaps that she was delivering to Mariah, like she slapped someone like who stole her crown off her head, like she was slapping her that hard. Um, so yeah, I. It's, it delivered, and you no, know, we'll, we'll talk about what happens next. I want to just address something. One LT photo saying that he had batteries thrown at him because he wore his Giants jerseys at the link. Then don't wear a Giants jersey. 
uh, go to go to L.A. and you'll get stabbed. So I don't know what you want from me. So we're there had been news this week that two people were looking at AEW. One was Mercedes. Uh, they're, they're making Ryan's pro assault. Kate, we're all pro assault. We're wrestling fans. One was Mercedes Monet, the, the, the big, the big, fuck you, Joe. The big, uh, I see the whom comment. Um, the, the the big signing now. I, Sean Rossap uh, has put out there that until she actually shows up, you can't. There's no 100% definitive, but it looks highly likely that she's coming to AEW. Uh, there were rumors it'd be tonight, but in the also at the same time, breaking today was that AEW was talking to Diana Prazo from T, uh, from TNA, and she was she's amazing and. She is from New Jersey. So there was thoughts, well, what about her? So as soon as Renee went in the ring to interview Mariah May, I'm like, someone's coming out. You don't have that interview in the ring. You do that backstage if you're going to do that interview, if it's like just a truly after the match thing. So as soon as she comes out, so she comes out and starts uh, trashing um, New Jersey because they have nothing better. You know, everyone's jealous. And Boom, the virtuoso music hits, and you see her thing. And you see Deanna come out. Deanna basically, I'm from New Jersey, and I'm here, and you tell Tony I'm coming after her. Like she sets her sights right on the champion, as she should. She is at that level. She is she is a world-class wrestler and talent. She carried the TNA women's division for a while there. Um I'm so excited. Deanna's in the in the company. Uh, this was a great debut. It was good in Jersey. And some people thought she didn't get a great reaction. Uh, they were chanting New Jersey. I'm like, if you get a chance to chant New Jersey, you have to do it because no one wants to. Uh, no one ever gives you that chance. Um, but I think they actually got a great response. I think part of the problem is that there is a Mercedes hanging out there. That's always going to play a little bit of uh, havoc with, you know, the responses people get, but I thought this was great. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, same. Uh, I mean, if people if people didn't have the response that that Diana should have gotten, then that's their issue for thinking that you know Mercedes was going to be there tonight. Um, Diana is a big get for them, and for AEW to continue to bolster their women's division with you no. Know, Former champions and top level talent. Um, it, 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 I'm very cautiously optimistic, cautiously optimistic that we're going to really have a strong emphasis on women's wrestling and AEW going forward because you can't not have that with the people you're bringing in. So we're going to do a little bit of news and notes right here. I believe Mercedes is coming. I, I believe. Every report seems to indicate she is. Um, granted, things are subject to change, so if it changes, it changes. But I believe she's coming. You just signed Deanna, which means you just spent a pretty penny on the women's division. And I think Mercedes is demanding a lot of money. So you've just spent a lot of money on the women's division. Furthermore, Deanna might not be quite the personality Mercedes is simply because she doesn't have the uh, the political clout 
that Mercedes will bring. Like Mercedes is Mercedes. Um, Dion was the top at TNA, but she was still at TNA. But Mercedes isn't going to sit there and be okay with the women's division being a second tier thing. She's going to demand more. And you just spent a shit ton of money. And they have been getting better at the women's division. There's multiple stories. The match times have increased. There's been even a couple multiple matches some nights. Like, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. I think you're... I think we're, I think I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I mean, just think about tonight. I feel like tonight's show, Dynamite. Before you know, before we get too far into it, but you know, think about how many segments we had featuring women talent, whether it's in ring or promos or you know, like backstage segments. I think we have six or seven different people on camera tonight, so we're featuring featuring them a lot more at least so far. That's a good sign. Um, you know, you have me, uh, enormous in the chat saying it, and I'm trying to, uh, you know, you have Rosa just came back, Deeb just coming back. Hopefully, Britain Hater come back sometime soon. Then you have Diana, Sheeta, Nyla, Athena, Julia, Statlander, Willow, just to name a few. And then if you add in Mercedes, like you, you, like I said in the show, you have a, you have a, a women's division that rivals anyone's at this point. You are stacked. There is no reason to not feature them, and they're popular too. You know, they're, 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 I don't, I don't like how else I can say it when you have this level of talent and you've spent this level of money. Listen, Tony Storm was a huge get and she was, Ruby was a nice get. They're not Mercedes and Tony Storm's been paying off dividends. Look how many segments she's eating up. So yes, as you spend more to get these, these people, you actually do to start to, um, spend more time and segments on them uh, for that. Scott asking any chance Mercedes makes a surprise appearance at Wrestle Kingdom tonight. If she, I know nothing. So honestly, I am not, this isn't even like when Sean recklessly speculates or casts over a body slam because I am so not informed. My only thing is if I'm a business owner, if she just signed a mega deal with me, and no one knows where she's going yet, for sure. Like, there's talks, but people don't know if she's going back to WWE. I'm making her show up at mine. Same way that Wrestle Kingdom would have made her show up there first before AEW. Um, so that's my only thing. Wrestling-wise, do I wish she would show up at Wrestle Kingdom? Sure, but I also think you would promote that. I think you would. I think you'd put it out there ahead of time. I don't think she'd be a surprise, so. And apparently her music came off in New Japan, so. There you go. Um, and if, so then we'll, I guess we'll just move on. Uh, I think we covered that pretty well. Uh, we come back and Christian Cage is is entering the ring, flanked by Killswitch, Nick Wayne, and Shana Wayne. Uh, Shana Wayne yells at the crowd, which... Mother Wayne. Not, Mother, Mother Wayne. Wayne. I'm not really into her. Uh, it's not really... I, I it, She comes off stiff, and, I, and it's, a, it's a struggle. Um, but then Christian talks, and Christian is amazing. Um, Christian basically says, one, he claims that he's 2-0 and against Copeland, and that's just not true. He's 2-1. and one. I mean, that match happened. It didn't hate this fucking chair. The lock-in mechanism is broke. Um, the, that match happened. Yes, Kate, I'm anti-mother. Um, I'm a mother lover. So, Okay. I... 
I just watched the uh, there's an HBO there's an HBO Max documentary, uh, Love Wins or something. And it's about Mother God. Oh yes, bad shit, crazy people. Oof. Um, but he's not two and always two and one. But he uh, he he looks Nick Wayne. He calls him his the apple of his eye, his baby boy. And then he goes, but there's one man responsible for this win, and and it's me. He just keeps tearing down. Uh, switch, which means something. And this is where I, I had a question for you. If Jungle Boy came back and saved Killswitch, does he? Does that make him a face, or can they do that as a heel? Face. I don't know how. I think he comes back and yeah, helps. Helps Luchasaur Killswitch liberate himself and become Luchasaurus again. So you think he's come back as a face? I do. I think if you haven't gone long enough, that you can bring him back in a face. But you think care. even after all the all the all the punk stuff, he can come back as a face? Yeah, I think it'll be enough time, and then punk's not there now, so um, kind of maybe freshen up the character a little bit. Maybe not go straight back to like Jungle Boy, but you can go back to like Jungle Jack, and you know he didn't have to. Be, he played Tarzan Boy, whatever, and people will lose their minds. I agree. I like Tarzan Boy. Okay, I just had that question because that is a tough. If you have him save Killswitch, Luchasaurus, um, then you then you have him. Then you have to have him face like that's a face move. the The only way you do it is if he does something very dastardly in saving him. But that's. You really run the risk of that not hitting um, and complicating that issue. Selfishly, I would rather have him win over, you know, obviously help Luchasaurus, but win over Nick Wayne and take over that group. And Christian becomes the becomes a face. I also think that there's that. That's actually that's a pretty good one. That I wasn't going to go there. That's actually the best prize solution. I also think a, a Jungle Boy Nick Wayne match would just be really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I will say you're talking about Mother Wang and how like she's not her character work and stuff really isn't from for me either. I feel like her you know, her brew of mother line that she uses now is becoming as grating on my ears as like, you know, Vicky Guerrero's excuse me. Yeah, like, it's not it's not the good kind of uh no to me it's and and I, and I feel bad saying that because i don't want it to be like but she's not a wrestler she was never in wrestling um there's, there's no reason for it she could have done what she did and stepped out and it would still work or just have her stand there and say nothing she's fine if she just stands there and says nothing um so kate are you that big of a fan of hers well, Kate just likes mothers a lot, so she's respectful of the mothers. She would not boo Mother Wang, and yeah, I, I just—I don't think she needs to stand in the background and say nothing. I—I'm all for women I do. having a voice. I, listen, I'm—I'm I'm all for women having a voice, just not this one. Um, 
and Kate too, but that's a whole other discussion. So we come back. Renee has an interview with Ruby Soho, Harley Cameron, and Soraya. Um, hold on, Kate thinks she's really Kate. You think she's real fun? You're the one in on this, and not me. I am shocked. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, Ruby kind of is sold on Harley Cameron right now because Harley helped her win. Um, but Cameron is playing a crazy character, and I'm and I'm and I'm really digging it. Like like a psycho crazy. Like I'll kill someone crazy. I'm trying to think of what movie character she reminds me of. Um. But it's just, it's Gabe Smith. But yeah, it's interesting that they, you know, they, they kind of found a place for her after, you know, QTV broke up with QT not being there. Um, it was a nice place for her to land, though. And I don't know about her in-ring ability as much, but like her, she's fun. She's comedic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I she was the best part of QTV, so I, I'm a big fan. All right, and we move on to a murder that happened on screen tonight when we have Darby Allen versus Kanosuke Takeshita. I this I called it a murder. It was a murder. I mean, there was listen, there were there were moments where Darby had offense, but they were brief. Like there was a reversal off the top rope where he reversed it into a stunner and he did a couple things here or there. But how about when he dove out of the Darby went to do a suicide dive out of the ring and Takeshita just nails him with the knee. It looks like he really hit him with the knee. I mean, it, this this was just brutal. I mean, the whole match. I, I think Ant sent the text. This the old Simpsons means stop, stop. He's already dead. Like <laughs> this was this was kind of weird. It almost like Darby gets beat up like this before, but I've never seen it like this. Was a lot. I mean, my God, what were your thoughts? I I'm gonna I'm gonna hot take right now. This was the match of the year. For now, um, it it was a painful masterpiece of power of the power versus quickness, and the way Darby sells and takes the worst looking bumps ever. Uh, the the back roll down the ramp to the released German suplex onto Darby. I mean, I. I I can only imagine talking through the match like, hey, but I have an idea. Let's do this. And I think it's Darby's idea. Exactly. No, I I I don't I don't right, understand. Right. Like I, I, I don't how do I say I don't understand how you like How you design Darby's matches from here on out? Like he just took a beating. Yeah, he's got a flip. He, I don't know, but maybe they're just really trying to build Takeshita up to the highest level. Jesus Christ, he annihilated the crap out of Darby. Kate yeah. brings up the point that Takeshita moves faster than other big guys. Yeah, so he does have a little bit more fluidity to him. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know, man. And then he hits that lariat in the end, and even the lariat looks brutal. I don't have a lot to say because my mind's just—I'm going over brutal spot after brutal spot after brutal spot. 
guys yeah. I, I couldn't name them all. Like I said, there, there's the the dive into the knee. There's oh, the God, role yeah. that Joe talked about. There was um, it really just him tossing him around. Uh, cough and drop, but the, but Takeshi raises his knees, and that's a very painful move to be reversed. Um, it's just, and then even the lariat at the end, like, and then the kick to the face, like all of it just looked painful. And again, I know Alan's thing is I'll take I'll take punishment, but he didn't even look like he was in the same class in this match, and that's weird because he's Darby fucking Allen. So I, I, I don't know. So good. Uh, apparently they, they challenge Sting to next week. I don't know who's actually doing it, but it's uh, was it Takeshka and Hobbs versus Sting and Darby? Oh, is it is it is it a tag? I believe so. Okay. I hope so. I otherwise, mean... otherwise Hobbs is going to kill Sting. Yeah, I mean that, that's why I'm like I don't know like Sting. This thing doesn't shouldn't be in a single, so I hope it's a tag. Uh, Jesse's saying yes, so okay. Um, we move on to a number one contenders match for the Continental uh, Crown or Continental Classic Belt or whatever they call it. Um, Brian Cage versus Brian Keith again. He's showing up again. I think he might be getting signed. Vikingo and Tran Beretta. Uh, as with all of these. You listen, look at the guys you have in this match. Vikingo and Brian Cage, they're there to do like Vikingo's there to do something crazy, and Brian Cage to allow him to do it. Um, Brian Keith is awesome, so he got in a stuff. And Trent, we've said, is so good, but this was a this was crazy move after crazy move after crazy move. And at the end of the day, Trent wins because, again, I feel like the story with Trent was he looked really aggressive in this match, he looked very angry. Now, there was a point this is this is where I'm going to focus. Is Danhausen came out with him, and you just eliminated Danhausen in that battle royal. Danhausen came in and cursed Brian Cage for Trent, and then after Trent won, came in and congratulated. So I guess they're okay, but they're definitely showing a much more aggressive, much angrier, much more wanting to win side of Trent. And I really like that. What are your thoughts? This a good match for Trent to build off of his showing in the uh, Battle Royal. And like you said, like the kind of format matches, you know what you kind of get. Um, everyone kind of had their moments. You know, Bounty Hunter had his moments early on. Vikingo gets to hit some of his, his dives and flips off the turnbuckle off to the outside. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Trent Eddie match. I think that's gonna um they're just gonna beat the living hell out of each other. Um it'll be really fun to watch live with you, Ryan, on Saturday night on Colliercast. Um I'm hoping people tune in and that we can all talk about it in real time. When you watch Colliercast, you'll see that I, even though as the matches are occurring, I'm looking at the story of the match what I go by and this match again I don't think there was much story between the other guys as there was Trent I think Trent was the focus here and of course Eddie was on commentary and Eddie's hilarious so there's always that if you're if you're going to watch it Eddie's on commentary um, I hope he got a job to rule somewhere he kept he kept being bummed oh, that's right he was so mad because Taz didn't invite him over for the Gabagool 
Yeah. Meanwhile, Kate's in chat. And she's a spot freak. So, like, you know, teach their own. I'm a story guy. Uh, that's why Cody's booking in WWE is killing me. Um, so then we go to the main event. Daniel Garcia versus Shane Swerve Strickland. Holy shit, this was a good match. Uh, Garcia looked aggressive. He looked angry, but he looked prepared. He was dominating Strickland through much of this match. Like I felt like he was really kicking the crap out of Strickland. Uh, you know, he, he he's beating him around the ring. He takes him outside and knocks Strickland away. Then Nana comes up and you, and you get your dance off, which was just the fans are chanting "Holy shit!" before they start dancing. Like it was as good as like that was perfect. And but my favorite thing of the whole thing because I love uh, I love a dance off. I'm a silly guy. But the Daniel Garcilla caught Garcilla, Jesus, Daniel Garcia caught Swerve trying to hit him from behind. Like he prepared, he knew what was going to happen. That's such a subtle change in Daniel Garcia's character that he no longer is falling victim to that stuff. He's still, you know, uh, lost in the end because of just, you know, Swerve is Swerve right now. But this looked like a different level of Garcia. He wasn't falling for the tricks. He wasn't his own worst enemy. He got beat because he was just going against an amazing opponent. Um, the silliness worked to his favor because he he was he was above them in the mental warfare. Like this was a damn Garcia operating at a different level. And this is the story they're telling with him. And, and Matt Menard's really helping it. He's on commentary, kind of talking it up. Like he's got to go to that next level. And but I really think this was this. I mean, this was the match of the night, and this was amazing. And I I, I give. Swerve credit for letting Garcia like kind of shine the way he did. I mean, Swerve took a lot of punishment um, that uh, that hurt. You know that that, that well he took a lot of punishment. He was he he was willing to take the take the punishment from Garcia. He didn't have to, but he did. Um, and Swerve was amazing. Uh, any comments on the match itself? You covered a lot of it. So I'll just say that, yeah, I agree with how it's a good example of how strong you can make someone look in a loss. Like losing matters, winning and losing matters, but like sometimes you can gain so much in a loss. And what they're doing with Garcia and his story for you, Ryan, is they keep building him and building him back into this professional wrestler that he was, um, and no, with little hints of sports entertainer, but the sports, the professional wrestler in him are having these bangers of matches with the top level talent at AEW, and it's only going to pay dividends in the end. And he's going to be someone that they can really push as the year goes on, especially as this is, I think, is a contract year for him. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. Super excited for his story. So after the match, uh, it looks like Swerve's going to shake Dan Garcia's hand. I was kind of confused. And then Nana low blowed him. So Matt Menard comes in and starts attacking Swerve until Swerve kicks him in the nuts. So they're down. You think, okay, what's going to go on? Nana has the mic. He starts to talk. And then you hear Hangman's theme. And actually, I did us a disservice. Right before this match, Matt Menard was about to be interviewed by Renee when Hangman walked by and said, I'm pissed off. 
Samoa Joe hired, got the de- the devils to attack me, knock me out. I'm looking for Joe. If I can't find Joe, I'm looking for Cole. If I can't find Cole, I'm looking for anyone. I want to beat someone up. Like he was angry. Well, who does he hate more in that company than Swerve? So after the match is over, you hear Hangman's music and Hangman comes out and they just brawl and it is fun. They are going at it. I wasn't sure I'd want this story to continue. I thought they had kind of finished it, but I'm into it right now because Hangman looks a little different. So I, I thought this was great. What'd you think? I think it's good to have it, especially why we're, we're waiting for Keith Lee to get healthy again. Um, I didn't think we were going to get, get this, this, no, Hangman versus uh, Swerve this soon. But again, maybe it's just a holdover to hold us over for a little bit. Um, but it makes sense if you're not going to throw them in the tile picture right away. Um, they both said that they weren't done with each other. Uh, I I don't know. I'm interested to see how they handle the booking of it because you don't want Swerve to lose some of the momentum he has right now. And Heyman has lost a lot of matches to Swerve. So that's my only thought of you know, how they book it. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you, but that was I mean, listen, Swerve's on the, the, the path for for the title. And we all know that. So and listen, the Bucks are still out there. They haven't been back in a while, but they have a story that's gonna be told. So he might play into that. So there's a whole lot going on, but I loved it. So that was our uh, dynamite. Uh I don't really have a lot in news and notes because I kind of cover it. As we go, you know, the the Mercedes thing. Andre Andrade is officially gone. He kind of did his letter saying he's out of there. Um, Diana came in. Mercedes is rumored to come in. Uh, UT is officially gone now. There's a couple, but nothing. I don't think there's a lot of news and notes to cover. Do you you have anything you want to? No, I'm just trying to think if anything else came out of the uh, media scrum. Really. Other than, I mean, we talked about, you know, Tony's focus on free ag- women's free agents, and that was obviously evident tonight, starting with tonight. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else, but I can't. Top of my head. Me neither. Um, all right. So, like I said, a little longer than we thought, but we had to cover all of uh End, so that took us longer than the Joe and Ryan show typically goes. Oh, I'm sorry. Kate wants I've referenced Wendy Richter already, Kate. You weren't listening to the show at that time. Thanks. But Kate wants us to bring up Wendy Richter for the third time. Thanks. Um, but maybe she shows up. Uh trying to, yeah, I think so. We got Wrestle Kingdom going on tonight. Not a lot of impact. There's some heat of you guys there, obviously. Um, but not, yeah, I think Mox is there, uh, Danielson's there, but you know, nothing, nothing. Made, yeah, okay, you wouldn't know if it was covered if you were listening to us. Uh, so there you go. Um, Joe, plug your stuff. Well, on social media, you can find me at underscore Asian Joe. In my bios on my socials, you will see a link to my serial review blog where I review random novelty serials. Um, I haven't done one in a while, so if you have a good recommendation, let me know. Uh, beyond that, you will find me Saturday night uh, for the first ever Collider cast where Ryan and I will 
have a watch along with Collision. So hopefully you guys who are with us tonight are also watch join us on Saturday and uh, we'll see you in the chat. And that's all from me. Ryan, where are you at? You can find me on all our socials at Mark Order Pod. Again, all the major places that we have socials. Um, you can follow my history blog here for history.com underscore at here for history on uh, Twitter. I have to actually write something new. It's been a while. Real life got in the way. I planned on doing something over break. I plan on doing like six things over break and none of them happened. Um, and my break, I mean like Christmas break, you know, when life I had off from work, I thought I'd get stuff done, but that's not it anyway. Um, but you can find me at the Collider Cast Saturday at, at 7.50. We'll cover all of Collision, and we'll end shortly after Collision ends. Uh, that's about it. I'm going to see how well I pull off this uh, this exit. I'm not as I'm not as smooth. It's not my... There's there's the screen. Guys, you're, you're hearing this. I, I'm going to do it the way I do it. Scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.